fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Here's Morgan Riley with the lead, winning the faceoff to the goon. The goon works in with a shot and scores. Getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, folks, Pucks in Deep podcast is back finally after a long absence here in the summer. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko here to bring you up to speed on all things NHL and all things Leafs. And uh, Lesko, what you think of that little highlight pack? That was from Marner's rookie season, I think, maybe. When uh, he had a bunch of penalty minutes. Okay. And they were talking about how many penalty minutes he had had in the season. And then, you know, they called him the goon. And then that kind of took off that season. And Joe Bowen was always referring to him as the goon. But I was looking for, you know, a, a Mitch highlight given the recent contract and how we're all excited about that. We'll definitely get into that a bit later. And that was the first one I found was Joe Bowen calling him a goon. But I think my favorite part of that highlight pack, let's go, is him laughing at the end. <laughs> like, what a guy, eh? Oh, he's always having a good time. And I think he's writing his element out there. He seems to be loving life uh, out in Newfoundland for the Leafs camp, eh? Yeah, were you listening to Overdrive today? Yeah, he yeah. was on. Yeah. yeah, he was on. He's such a. Anytime he's on somewhere, of course, Joe Bowen, voice of the uh, Toronto Police. I'm, I have to tune in. He's just he he's just a uh, like he's so full of energy. He's very positive, but he's critical at the same time. Like he knows his stuff about the team and what they need to work on this and that and the other thing. But overall, I just he gives me great entertainment whenever I hear him talk or watch him on TV. The guy does unrivaled passion for the team and the organization, and he's old school as well. Like there's not there's not a lot of those real old guys still kicking around and. I'm just happy that we get to hear from him every once in a while, but I'm sure he's in his element out there getting into one with the boys. Well, I love the question they asked him there, like what percentage of the broadcast crew is sober? And <laughs> like right away, he's like, well, Ralphie and me, of course, we're we're sober right now. But everybody else, he said a, a good 50%. So um, yeah, obviously we're uh, we're talking about the Leafs being out in, uh, in St. John's, Newfoundland, where their former... AHL affiliate club uh, used to used to uh, operate out of. If I'm not yep. uh, mistaken, it was in the same building, correct? Yeah, same. Uh, the Mile Maple One Leafs. Center. Yeah. Um, so for for many years, so it's obviously a big deal for the uh, fans out on the uh, East Coast to get their hockey in. So um, camp is open. Uh, Mitch Marner signed. The season is right around the corner, and we're super pumped to be back. Josh Coleman, you can follow me on Twitter at Coleman42. Adam Lesko across the table from me here at the farmhouse. Uh, you can follow him at uh, at Lesko Adam on the Twitter sphere and uh, Lesko. We had uh, some exciting moments recently on the Twitter uh, on the Twitter handle for the podcast with Steve Dangle giving us a bit of a shout out there. I don't know if your followers have been uh, checking us out on Twitter at all, but uh, we're trying to reel in the big fish. So that's the highlight of the podcast career so far. <laughs> Hey, I would like to give you some props here. I don't think that's the highlight of the pod. I think the highlight of the pod is the new logo. We got a logo. We got a fucking logo. It looks so much more legit. Oh my God, it does. (laughs) It does, man. Like even when I go on my 
like my podcast, so I see, you know, Spit and Chicklets, Overdrive, 31 Thoughts, whatever, whatever, a couple of golf ones. And then um, depending on release date, it's sorted by release date. So ours has always been way at the bottom. So I'm really pumped tomorrow to pull up my podcast uh, app on my phone and see our brand new Spankin' logo looking sexy right on the top of my page. So I think that was a, a job well done by you, my friend. Uh, looks really great. And hopefully we're going to start um, getting some some swag out. I threw out a couple of uh, feelers to some buddies of mine. Hey, do you think you'd wear like a fucking t-shirt? with our logo on it and whatever. And he's like, yeah, man, fucking give me, give me one, give me two, you know? So um, that's something for us to look into and uh, hopefully help the podcast grow. As we now enter season two. Credibility's doubled instantly. What, when we, if we have swag? With a logo. Oh, okay, yeah. With a logo, it's doubled, and then you add some swag in there, and now you're entering like legit territory. Give us a blue yeah. check mark already, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, lots to get to today. Uh, but before we get into the hockey talk and the actual you know what we do here on the podcast how's your summer man haven't even fucking seen you july 24 i think we did our episode and you're like yo let's uh, you know let's hang out a little bit whatever and then i haven't seen you what's yeah, going on we haven't done nothing there. No, no, no. that was a pretty busy summer man it flew by and it did just kept doing the same sorts of things how does spend lots of time outside lots of time in the boat yeah a big fish big fisherman oh yeah right yeah um, and soccer, I wanted to ask you how your uh, men's league soccer wrapped yeah. up. You guys were looking for a three-peat, am I yeah, right? Yeah, I know. We had a great season, finished in first. Everything's looking good. Came off short in the playoffs, though. No! Got, got eliminated, eliminated in an overtime game. Very, oh. very disappointing end of the season for the boys. Good season overall, just just tough go there And what's your playoffs. team name again? Ulrichs. Ulrichs. I knew. Yeah. Okay, I did know. I didn't want to give a shout-out to the wrong team there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but so Ulrichs. Um, so what was it? Uh, how many rounds are your playoffs? Well, we had a buy, so we only played the one game, semifinals. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, you had a buy. Oh, and it's a one-game elimination. That's how it runs. Oh, yeah. Oh, so just like regular yeah. soccer. That's how soccer goes. I yeah. mean, you don't you don't have a fucking series or anything like that. No, I wouldn't want to play that much. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. So, all right. Well, too bad you guys weren't able to reel it in, but I can tell you there's at least one champion there's sitting here. There's a champion the sitting here today. Kitchen table. You guys repeated. Yeah, we did. We went back to back, the Pembroke A's, uh, for our hardball, uh, Ottawa Valley Men's Baseball League. And for any of you listeners that are in this Pembroke uh, area, I know that the Men's Soccer League is a really exciting time to watch. If you can get down there, people often think, Oh, I don't even like soccer, blah, blah, blah. This is basically like Canadian hockey players playing soccer. Okay. This isn't soccer like that you watch on TV. Now don't get me wrong. Let's go. I'm not saying that you guys are like more entertaining to watch than the soccer that I see on TV. Oh wait. Yes, I am. I think you guys actually are more <laughs> exciting a, to watch because the fraction of the diving. Well, not so much the diving. It's just like, like the men's league in this area, as far as soccer is concerned is like extremely aggressive. It's very, right. I, I find it very competitive, very aggressive. And if you combine the, those things in any sport, I think you're going to have a good product. So mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is I know you guys have serve a great product. I've seen some of the games before, but our league down here at Riverside Park is really picking up, man. And we, 
we walked it off against Petawawa in the finals. Uh, it's a best of three uh, series, so we won the first game in Petawawa. Was it on a wild pitch? It was. It was. Well, I, I don't. Th- I don't. I got to chirp Connor. When I don't. I see about that. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know if he's gotten over it yet. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm still fucking bitter. So you would be. Yeah. yeah, I would be too, probably. But okay. But here's the thing: I wouldn't necessarily call it a wild pitch. I think, and you know what? It's either a wild pitch that's a mistake. Was the, the catcher fucked up? Well, I don't know. It, it's tough to tell. I was on second base at the time because I had just hit a two-run double to tie the game no big deal not a big deal in the bottom of the last inning base is loaded 0-2 count Connor throws me a cock ball and I just drove it into left field big deal um, so two run double, we tie it up and then they walked Tommy Saran because he's fucking huge. <laughs> right? So bad. yeah, so, so they, so they walked Tommy, but in, in retrospect, it was a good idea because now you put a force play on, on every base with two outs, blah, blah, blah. And then they, yeah, it was, I guess I would probably call it a pass ball. I think I would call it a pass ball cause it did, it did hit the catcher, right. it hit the catcher and it went kind of fucking over there and our guy on third, was Curtis and he like he stopped and didn't know what to do and everybody was like go 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 and, and then he went and then we won and it was really fun like having a, a walk off kind oh, yeah. of scenario is always a good time so um yeah geez I was hoping you were gonna go with the three peat because then you'd have the oh, three peat next year so next year it'll no, be I'm I'm still bitter about it still still getting to me <laughs> okay. there I'm trying not to think about it so much but I knew you're gonna bring it up of course <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up I, I'm glad I didn't text you about it beforehand because right right. I, I did make it down with one of your games, though, and holy shit, there was a lot of offense. You guys, I think it was 9-8 or something when I showed up the game, and I left two innings later, and you guys were up 18-8 or something like that. It was insane. Oh, dude, yeah. Was Playoff, that? Was the playoffs against Banford? I yeah. Think it was. Jesus. Man, they were up 7 nothing in the first inning. Yeah, that's what I heard. It let, seven let up Basil in the first. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Yeah, Braz didn't didn't have his stuff necessarily that day, but yeah. I, well, you know what? The offense is a good thing, is it not? I would think it'd be more. Oh, important. It's, it was very entertaining. Yeah, more important to see and hear. But a the lot pitching of was awful, though. I was yeah. Like they didn't have anyone who could pitch that night. Nobody was throwing the ball straight. They were walking guys like crazy. Well, they 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 were fine until until we caught on, and then we kind of you know they were. You should. I remember that game like it was yesterday, man. You should have seen how like pumped up those guys were. Seven nothing against Pembroke in the playoffs, like. I remember thinking like, oh my God, we're going to fucking lose, you know, <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, right. Like we're way better. Like, sorry, any Bamford players that are listening out <laughs> there are going to hurt my uh, chances for a repeat as infielder of the year by pissing those guys off. Actually, I did piss them off at one point in time. I was getting lippy with the catcher during an at bat and told him to shut up and all this different stuff. But Hey, that's men's sports, right? Sometimes you get a little flared up there and you get mad at everybody, but who cares? It's fun. I've got a callback story from the summer, actually. A callback? Yeah, a podcast callback. Really? Do you remember uh, the conversation about the mouth-breathing hygienist? Who was yes. like mouth breathing right in my face yes. while she was cleaning my teeth. So I went back there and remember I was like kind of deduced that she was probably sick at work, which yeah. was no better. We kind <laughs> right. of determined that was offside. Well, I went back to the dentist recently. I had the same lady. And, she, and lo and behold, she's she's fucking breathing, mouth breathing right in my face again. So she's just a mouth breather. She's just a mouth breather. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> I thought you were okay. Sorry. I, now I know what you meant. Callback. You wanted you wanted right. to bring our attention back. I thought someone like brought it up to you, no, and I was no. like, oh my god, you went back to the dentist, and she listens to the oh, podcast. That would be something. Else. That would be something. So I, other than that, or maybe people's breath stink so bad, so she just trained herself to breathe through her mouth. So she doesn't have to smell people's stank. 
Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe her... Or this might make more sense, dude. She's a hygienist and she takes very good care of her teeth and she wants to show you that her breath doesn't stink. Maybe, but she's got one of the masks on too, right? Oh, yeah, true. But it really accentuates the mouth breathing. <laughs> but I remember you're very key on not bringing sickness to work because when you had that pink eye scare, you... you, you oh, I took, the, <laughs> I took off, man. And I was off two days last week being sick. That's why we didn't get started last week, by the way, everybody. Apologies, because I was—I know I was pumping up podcast return last week. And yes, I was quite sick. That probably worked out for both of us, though, dude, because I was still dealing with uh, whatever I had going on. So basically, I lost my voice entirely cheering for our championship victory. Now, did you lose it during the game or in the post game? Oh, in the post game, Sally. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember the moment that I lost it because I yelled so hard when someone hugged me, and I think there was like I hugged the person and was like, yeah, and I think that moment of physicality where I got I got crunched kind of by the other person while screaming I lost it it was gone and I could I could barely even talk a few days later then I think it was just coincidence that I got some sort of something minor it was minor but I was super fucking sore I was sore everywhere and I had no voice I wasn't sure if it was from yelling or if or if I had like some cold so that would have been an absolutely brutal show last week it would have been a brutal show had we attempted to like drag ourselves through it well and Marner wasn't even signed oh so we would have bitched about that the whole time we would have I would have been like Marner (laughs) 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 trying to talk about it but seriously no Marner shit no Nylander, no Here We Go Again. That was going to be the, the title of the episode. I'd been already thinking about it. Episode 38, Here We Go Again, because it's another season of us weekly uh, here on the pod and another season without one of our star players. Uh, obviously, Mitch Marner being a little bit more important, I think, to the team than William Nylander. But the great news here is we don't have to talk about it. Don't got to talk about when's it. When's the next time we have to talk about anything like this? Un- two seasons from now? Uh, yeah, you know? at least, I guess, before it's even consideration with Riley and Anderson. Yeah. But, I mean, right now, you got to be sweating if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan because you not, not only do you have Patrick Laine unsigned out practicing in Europe all of a sudden, but you've also got Kyle Connor, who is not signed either. And not only that, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, I think we mentioned it in our last show that they're kind of like the biggest losers of the offseason right now because of what's happened to their once stellar defense. Yeah, and I mean, you're losing you're losing Bufflin as well now for personal absence, and I don't know if you've heard anything on that story. I haven't. Yeah, I only saw it on the ticker. I didn't see any uh, any updates or any inside scoops on that, but... I don't really want to be this guy, but I kind of have to be because we have a podcast and I heard something that could, you know, it sounds credible. It sounds credible. I, I heard it. I, I hear that it may be a drug related issue. It may be a Kuznetsov situation. Well, at least it's not as bad as, uh, the Kuznetsov situation, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, we will. But yeah, you're right. Bufflin is out for a personal absence. Um, Don't know when or if he's going to be back. I read online earlier today that someone said that they heard he was contemplating retirement. Jesus. Someone said that that was uh, debunked and not true. So there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but when someone, when someone responds and says that's not true, they've, they've, they've already said that's not true. I feel like that instantly gives credibility to the theory when someone comes out and is like, no, they heard about that and shut it down. So if they heard about it, that means it's actually a rumor. It's not just some idiot that said it and then it caught fire. 
it's actually a rumor and they had to address it. Yeah. Well, you're not going to say, yeah, he's still fucking thinking about though. retiring. Still a rumor though, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're right. It's tough to speculate on stuff like that. And yeah, you're right. So no Bufflin, no Truba. Um, they locked more. Is it Morrissey? Morrissey, they, they got him. They locked more. That's a good deal. deal yeah. That was a good deal. Uh, what was the AAV on that one? Am I putting you on the spot, or do yeah, we you're have putting me on the spot? Oh, I don't yeah, right. that in front of me, so fuck off with that shit. <laughs> and that was his name. First episode. Come his on, man. His name's not even fucking underlined. I thought Jeez. I, I thought we had it underlined. No, I didn't. I thought about putting it in there, but anyway. Um, that's a tough situation for for Jets to be in. I know their fans are probably clamoring to get these guys signed, but you got to think Liney's going to be lined up for a bridge just based on oh, has the, to be. The, the strange output, right? You don't know if you're getting guy who scored, what was that, 30 goals in a month last year, or are you getting guy who went to sleep in the second half of the season? Nine. Mind you, he did wake up in the playoffs a little bit. Yeah, he did. numbers, but obviously they want a more consistent player, and I don't necessarily think he can command that, you know, 10 million we might have penciled him him in for previously. No, he can't. Like you, you can't. It has to be bridge. And one of the main reasons why it has to be a bridge is because of your poor play for half the season last year. It's not our fault. There's got to be some repercussions. There has for to it. be. Yeah. And and you know what? If it's not going to like I'm not saying that because you had a less than stellar season for the whole fucking season like no one was expecting you to score 56 goals and get 92 points. But the fact that you didn't really do much of anything for most of the season, that, that there has to be, like you said, there has to be some repercussions for that. And I'm not saying that overall it needs to hurt your bank account, but what it means is that you can't really expect some long-term high-dollar deal. Because as we all know, Lesko, if you're going long-term, that means that you must overpay today. When someone tells me that an elite player who just signed an eight-year deal, is overpaid. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, so what? Yeah, that's what you do. You overpay today for the fact, to compensate for the fact that the player is likely going to be underpaid by the end of the deal. And you do that to get the player. Let's go. You're amazing. We want you so badly. You're one of the best players in the league. We want you for eight years. So we're going to give you the maximum amount that we can right now because in eight years from now, that maximum is going to be like chump change. That seems to be the way things are moving. That's for sure. And uh, now I guess the lining story gets a little thicker because now he's out in the foreign media and we all know how players from Europe and Russia love to shoot their mouth off in the foreign media. It's true. But he had some, uh, some, I guess, unsettling things to say about his teammates there and about his situation, I guess, his playing time and, who, I guess, what line he's playing on as well. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you put any stock into the fact that it is translated? Because I know I hear a lot of people talk about Lost in Translation, and I kind of feel that at this point in time, that's not a thing anymore. Like, if you speak a different language and you're really excited and I'm, the, and I'm the, the journalist or the translator and you're like, I'm super happy to be here. I love it. How am I going to miss, how am I going to mistranslate that to the, to, to the public? I can't, I can't mistranslate the fact that you are super happy and you love it. Well, usually when something like that happens as well, it, it look, will come out after the fact that somebody screwed that up. Right, like I guess like, so. Oh, it was mistranslation or whatever. They'll get asked about it again. You know, say when they land back over here, but uh, and they have to it know that it's that getting he, out. He wasn't too happy with, um, you know, his ice time and things like that. And I, I know uh, Maurice has a bit of a reputation being pretty hard on younger players, but dude, you got to suck it up 
and you got to make the most of your opportunities when you are playing big minutes, whether it's on the power play, whether it's on the top line, whether it's on the third line. I mean, we're talking about a pretty deep team here. We're talking about the Winnipeg Jets, okay? You play in anywhere in the top nine, you're going to have pretty decent line mates. And I know a guy like Line A, you would think would get more ice time, but if he's fucking dragging his ass out there, he's not going to get it. And that's just the kind of coach and team they should be running. Well, that's the way most coaches should be operating, man. If you're not earning your spot out there, then what the fuck are you doing? Well, and you're also a th- three-year pro at this point. Like, yeah, True. you're a pro. Like, you're there's no excuses anymore. There's no I'm learning. You know, there's none of that shit, especially for guys who are signing big money deals yeah. or you want a big money deal. You're, you are an NHL star now, so fucking play like it, behave like it. My favorite quote of the whole thing and again, of course, this is in English. He said it in Finnish. There's different words. Um, but translated, uh, there are top lines and then there's our line. <laughs> so he's basically saying throughout the NHL, there's top lines. Everybody knows that. The first line for every team. There it is right there. And then there's my line. <laughs> like you can't, that's, that's kind of the point where I'm saying like, okay, well, you know what? When they take, when you take a quote like that, and you just look at it as it is. That's where the lost in translation thing becomes a reality. But realistically, I don't understand how else you could take that, Lesko. Like, how else could you take that? You say, there's my car? Or, sorry, there's, there's other awesome cars, and then there's my car. Right. What does that mean about your car? It's a piece of shit. And now I didn't see the interview either, so I don't have the context. I just have the quote, you know, so, right? Yeah. But I understand how on its own, it can come off as somewhat insulting towards the team. But and and as that's troubling, right? Because the fact that he's, you know, doing a lot of these guys lay low during their RFA process, right? You don't hear from these guys at all in the media. The only time I heard from Marner all summer was at his golf tournament, where he has to do media, he has no choice. And a nice little right? spin on the uh, on the wake, oh, on the, the wakeboard. Yeah, on the wake skate. Yeah, <laughs> fucking around. But, um, you know, there's been a couple other deals that at least gotten done. Most recently in the last few days, we've seen bridge deals go to Travis Konechny, uh, Brock Besser also signing a pretty decent deal. Um, a lot of people are bitching about Besser not getting not getting good enough money, especially in comparison to uh, William Nylander. They kind of put in a statistical analysis and, you know, his points per 60 and everything being a bit right. higher and um, his output. Um, but fuck, it, Vancouver did not really leave a whole lot of cap space to pay this guy, didn't they? Because right now they got $9 million locked up in replacement level fucking fourth liners and Jay Beagle and Louis goddamn Erickson. Louis Erickson. And they just, they keep throwing money at at middling guys. And, you know, this is the, why I see and I understand the frustration coming out of Vancouver fans right now and over the last few years, and they're wondering why Jimmy Benning's still running this club, is that the NHL's moving away from this idea of, overpaying dopes on free agency for you know middling players like you you, the output of those players that you're paying five six million dollars to that you signed on july one you could get for a million bucks if you find the right player same player you can get the same output you know yeah well or or, yeah or value right because you might yeah. yeah you might have a guy that can score you 14 
or, mm-hmm. or, or 12 or 14 goals, which is better than, you know, six, mm-hmm. which is what another guy will give you. But, but the guy that gets you six, let's go. He might also be on your number one PK unit now all of a sudden at, at league minimum because, yeah. because of his effort and his, and his drive and his ability to whatever, you know, knock pucks loose and get them down the ice or whatever. Like you said, there's, there's output, but then there's also the value of the player. And I mean, like to get a, to get a player at, you know, one or $2 million when you could have had them at seven or 800,000, that's where you actually start shaving, shaving it off the top and being able to give it to your star players when they ask for it. And you're right. They're, they're burdened by some absolutely horrible contracts. Just some head scratchers of, yeah. of, of contracts and another Jimmy know, Hayes deal. Everybody called them, called them out when it happened. Right. Or Kevin Hayes, sorry. Right. I always say Jimmy Hayes. Speaking of the Flyers, I guess they also got uh, Provorov down. Bruins signed McAvoy and Wierenski. So kind of the three big RFA defensemen fell in the last week. Um, all signing interesting bridge deals, though. At uh, You know, I thought McAvoy um, at, what, four, four and a half or whatever it was. I thought that was... Four uh, nine. Yeah, I thought that was... Um, an interesting deal. It's like okay, we'll settle on five, and they're like, "Boss, like, nah, it's four nine. Four, we'll give you four nine. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, they seem to have a good, uh, a good thing going there with him, especially considering he plays top minutes. He could have been difficult and probably held out, but I mean, Boston's got to continue to compete for a cup, and there's only so much you can do. And the other thing about these bridge deals, and a lot of people might not take into account, it's like, yeah, it gives the player a chance to prove themselves. But I think in McAvoy's situation, it's going to give it uh, an opportunity to open up cap space. Because yeah. Zayo's child's not going to be there next time he's up for a contract. That's right. There'll be other guys who won't be there anymore, and it's going to free up more cap space down the road. And it'll be interesting to see if they're still a contender at that point. Um, the other big defenseman, Zach Wierenski, going down finally uh, with the Columbus. Probably the most positive news the Blue Jackets have had all goddamn summer. Yeah. Just yeah, lo- you're right. you know, losing all those guys and everything. So Tortorella's pissed night- off. Yeah, well. <laughs> when, what else, what else yeah, is new? Yeah, what <laughs> else is new? But uh, them getting Moransky down to a, to a contract, I think, is pretty important for them because there's not been a lot of positive news in terms of the, uh, the free agency front for them. Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting. Um, I want to bring it back quickly to the 4.9 on McAvoy. I mean, why not just... Why not just give him Wierenski's deal? Like Wierenski, That's what I was thinking. And yeah, it was like, six days later. Wierenski, Wierenski signed $5 million even, and then six days later, McAvoy dropped at $100,000 less. Yeah. I mean, I don't really understand the, you know, if it was 4.75, now I understand. That's 250K. You know, only two players have to shave off 250K, and now that's half a mil. You're almost at another player. Right, if you can do that with two guys, but a hundred k, I don't really, I don't really get it. I mean, it must have been. Do you think it's a principal thing? Like the team was just like, know. no, we're not giving you Wierenski. Yeah, I, I wonder if they just kind of like really stood firm on that. Like, no, four point nine. <laughs> yeah, four point nine. No, five you. for you. Like, but I, you, you bring up a good point about like him, you know, enjoying his time there, which is a big deal. I'm not saying that people there's, like there was none of these stupid stories about oh offer sheets and all this stuff. Going to go him. overseas. He, was like, yeah. he made it very clear publicly. I want to be here. I'm I'm buying into the system. I I love playing for the. Do you Bruins. think that hurt him then? It, it could have, and they said you know a lot of people said that that was kind of what the Leafs felt they had as a major point of leverage over them over Marner was that like we know he doesn't want to go anywhere so they're not listening to the noise about offer sheets right? even though it so. wasn't publicized everyone knows that Mitch Marner wants to 
play hockey right whereas like mcavoy had no problem coming out and saying this is what i want to be yeah but that's what you typically see from rfas right yeah unless they feel in in some way slighted or mistreated by the team usually they're pretty happy with their situation and looking forward to sticking but you know but you know what a safe way out is lesko and it's just i let my agent handle everything Right. I don't have to say anything other than true. They don't have to address contract talks ever, and we see that. I let my agent handle. Don't want to talk about it, right? Right. So all of a sudden, like if I want to purchase something and I go in and I say I want this and nothing else, well then, like they know that they've got me. They can't barter with me because I don't want anything else. I want that one. Right. I want that one. My car is a great example. I said I want a blue Maxima. I want a blue Maxima with black interior. And they were like, well, we can barely find one for you. Here it is from fucking, we have to ship it in from Vancouver, but here's your price. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I just paid it. Cause like, what am I supposed to do? Like argue with them? I, I wanted yeah. something specific. McAvoy wants to specifically be here. So it's like, well, take, take it or fuck off. He's not going to fuck off. He's going to take it. Yeah. And, and good for him. It's nice. Like I always love seeing these young guys finally getting, getting paid, you know, cause it, it's, it's amazing when guys are on ELCs and, the value you get out of them is just crazy remarkable. I mean, Mitch Meyer scoring 90-some points is a perfect example of that on an ELC. It's kind of value you never, you'll never get out of, That's true. of him or really rarely out of anybody. Right? That's true, so, but he better continue to score 94 points. Well, absolutely. Pressure's on now, right? Pressure's on. By the, now, way, by the way, Josh Morrissey, uh, eight years, 50 million. That's okay. uh, 6.45. Well, I, they, had to, they had to give him what they could because... I mean, that's part of the reason why they had to let those other guys go is because they, they could only afford to sign a few of those guys. And I think Morrissey being the younger of the others, uh, Truba and Myers, you want to keep him around and lock him down long term. Now, so we're, we're still on stuck on RFAs. There's a few big names obviously still out there, uh, aforementioned Line and Connor, along with Braden Point, Kachuk in Calgary, and Miko Rantanen in Colorado. So, if you're gonna pick one to who's not gonna play NHL games, who's gonna miss some time, who are you saying out of that group? Oh man, point. Yeah. No, I'm wrong. Line A. No, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I feel like one of them is going to. Okay. It seems the odds would tell you that. That might happen, but I'm looking at this list of guys, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> "I'm just second guessing." There's gonna be, there might be more than one here. There okay, might- but I, I said point right away. The reason why I said point is because of the next line in our prep here, what I was talking to you about outside before we came on air. The, Pierre LeBrun reported the most recent offer to Braden Point in his camp was three years, five point seven AAV. Like that is so insulting that. I could feel that that could lead to some hostility. And we had Bob McKenzie also tweet that Braden Point and his camp are very far apart in negotiations. So I said Point right away, but then I realized, okay, Tampa has um, $8 million left. Worst case, Ontario, they give it to him for one year and he tries to win a cup. Okay, that's fine. You will get right? signed. Yeah, so then like long, it, it, right? it, can't, it can't be Point. I had to second guess myself. Then I thought Line A, but I think that's recency biased because of the report today mm-hmm. and everything else. 
So I don't know, dude. I mean, I feel like it's it's an obvious answer to say one of the two Winnipeg scenarios because it's not like they can focus all their attention on one. I mean, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff has to have two phones going here, one mm-hmm. for Connor and one for Line A. Yeah, that's, that's a, a difficult that's situation. That's a difficult situation yeah. to be in. You know, my initial reaction is, is Rantanen just because I feel like no. he can command the most amount of money out of those guys because of how how huge he was last year and tore it up. I mean, the McKinnon comparable is what they're probably using to try and drag him down. But I got to go with line A because of exactly what you said, Josh. It's going to be very difficult for them to handle these two contracts at the same time. Like, I'm, I'm really thinking they want to get Connor almost out of the way so they can focus on what probably is going to be the most difficult negotiation, and that's the one with line A. And with line A practicing in Europe and a bit of that disconnect, um, based on the interviews, like you said, it just seems like they're really far apart. Um, Brayden Point is another guy who can definitely um, he can definitely command a huge amount of money here, but I think that he's in a situation where in Tampa and Tampa just always seems to get it done. That's you know the what other I mean. Thing, like yeah. they just they have a huge bu- amount of buy-in from that group, and uh, you know he he seems like a guy who doesn't want to miss hockey games and probably can't really afford to do so either. So, well, why would you miss at this point in time? And I had this discussion with many people who were, you know, um, uh, picking my brain on the Marner situation as if I knew what was going on. Uh, I didn't, (laughs) but you know, it's basically like, okay, listen, why the fuck would Marner want to be like, you know what teams, team teams best ever been in its history ever. I'm going to sit out this year. I'm going to sit out this season. No, and that's almost a point of leverage for the team. Exactly. Like, you're going to sit and like, they don't want to fucking sit. Like they don't want to sit a chance. Points not going to sit and miss out on another record breaking <laughs> season. Like, no, not no, a chance. not and a chance. Not a chance. Like they'll get, they'll get them under contract, but I think it's going to take a little bit more to do it. I think they kind of looked at some of the bridge deals that were being handed out in that $5 million range and tried to pull one of those on them. And, I mean, he's definitely he definitely deserves more. He's worth more, and there's a good chance I think he, we see him in the six to seven range, um, right around where that kind of Nylander comparable. Except he's more valuable than Nylander, but, uh, but, right? But, uh, but on and a probably bridge probably deserves deal. more, but on a bridge deal, it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But to the, see him in the, like the set, set, I would say the upper six to the seven million dollars. Yeah, range. six, seven, six, nine, somewhere like that would work, and that would actually leave a tiny bit of wiggle room for the team as well. Yeah, which uh, Julian it's good to have that. To make some moves. Um, quickly to Ranton in one more time. Um, I don't like your negativity because I need Ranton in to fucking sign for my keeper pool because that'll be devastating. But more importantly, let me throw this stat at you, okay? I, I came across this earlier today. And basically, the reason why I came across this is because I go- I, I Twitter searched Miko Ranton in because there is not one iota of information floating around about Miko Ranton in and his contract deal i mean i'm sure it's out there somewhere if you if you dive in but like everyone was just so bonered up about marner no one no one even cared about anything else i didn't hear any news on any of these guys so let me throw this stat at you here which is going to scare uh well it kind of scares me a little bit as a miko renton and owner but it would probably scare some colorado avalanche fans as well last two seasons miko renton 60 plus 111 equals 171 points in 55 games. Mitch Marner, 48 plus 115 equals 163 in 164 games. So Miko Rantanen not only has more points over the last two years, he has 
Oh my God, my math is terrible. He has eight more points in nine less games. That's an impactful statistic that his camp must be using right now to say, if you're not giving us Marner money, don't call. And I heard that that was kind of an, an instant reaction and that there was a little bit of uh, resentment among GMs across the league uh, that they were not too happy with that, the way that contract went out. Eat a obviously dick. the next day you're hearing from your players asking for top dollar and you know, they basically reply, we don't operate the way the Toronto Maple Leafs do. Right. Fair enough answer, but if if you're the agent, you got to try, you got to ask, right? Yeah, but I mean, is it not a is it not a, a production-based league here where we say, this is what I do, this is what I'm worth? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and is there no better comparable, let's go, I know different teams, different cap structure, et cetera, but is there no better comparable than the guy that just signed five minutes ago? I mean, the, the Marner deal is announced. Miko Rantanen's agent, again, no news on that front, so we don't even know who the fuck it is. Um, but Miko Rantanen's agent, is he not texting uh, Is he not texting someone immediately and just saying, look, I mean, just give us the Marner deal and we'll come into the office tomorrow and we can get this thing all settled. But are <laughs> you really sure going to throw that out there? But are you really going to pay him like four and a half million dollars more? Than you're paying Nathan McKinnon, who is arguably, and that's the huge, got to be this huge sticking point for Colorado, and that's got to be what's got them hung up. But right? you see, for many years, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. The, the 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 NHL is a little slow in the way it catches up with the fucking times. It's a little archaic in the way they do business. Oh, and I'm sure there's a lot of. Um there's a lot of tepid GMs out there who are still of the belief that we shouldn't be giving big money contracts to players this young. Well, remember years ago, dude, it was literally, I feel like it was almost an actual rule. It wasn't, but it was almost like an actual rule where no one made more than Ovi. It was like a thing. Every time there was a contract discussion or whatever, it was always, you know, they want this much money, but no one should make more than Ovi. It was like this big deal. No one should make more than Ovi. What the fuck? Who cares? Like all of a sudden, then the cap started increasing. We got, you know, revenue started going up. There was a fucking lockout, you know, like things really went. I guess the lockout's not a good thing, but what happened was it resulted in more money in everyone's pocket. Even though the season was lost, or half a season, sorry, was lost, it ended up being good for everyone. Players got big contracts that they wanted. The owners didn't have to pay, you know, for, I don't know, everything under the sun anymore. It was was split up between the PA and the owners, uh, uh, league wide. So it was ultimately, it ended up being a good thing, but it was weird because no one wanted to pay more than a certain player. Well, there's a bit of a power shift going on, and these RFAs and young superstars are trying to change that. And then, like you said, the culture is catching up. And, you know, you definitely have, a, have to have a bit of a forward thinking uh, team that's looking well into the future and taking everything into account when you are signing these deals. And, I mean, it's not, it's not easy. And it's something that teams are going to have to start embracing because. You know, once you see certain contracts going out there at certain numbers, it's just, it's, it's trends are being formed, right? And yeah. We're well, only going to see it move that way. But um, you did touch on a little bit of a labor piece and uh, it's 
good to hear that we're not going to be locked out next year. That's right. What was that yesterday? So that means the podcast is not canceled yet. <laughs> what would we have done? Not had episodes. Oh, <laughs> we would man. have nothing or to do. We, we would have like watched The Bachelor or something. <laughs> like fucking wrestling. And start, start a different fucking podcast. Don't talk about The Bachelor. One of my buddies wants me to talk about The Bachelor on this pod. I Bachelor said, in Paradise or The Bachelor? What are you doing? What Are you are you Bachelor Nation over there? No, no. I But I do watch a little bit of B&P there with my wife. Okay. That was pretty entertaining, dude. They take... They take like a bunch of hard bodies and throw them in a resort and just feed them booze the whole time. Like that's fucking pretty entertaining, man. I guess so. It's nonstop drama and you got some fucking characters there. And they're just they're just smashing all over that place. Well, maybe you'll have to let me in on like a certain season or something that I could binge, because I'm definitely not gonna be the guy that like records it and has to watch it and then be like, Oh my god, did you see what happened on Bachelor? Bachelor in Paradise last night. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I can bring myself to do it. But my buddy, the guy that he wants me to do Bachelor, like he watches fucking Big Brother and like all all these kind of shows that are kind of similar, right? Where it's like, let's videotape people being people. And then put it on TV. Oh, but these people are not people. They're pretty far from just people. Well, aren't they just average Joes that get to no, go and do it? It would be a lot cooler if it was. Like, like Survivor is average Joes for the most part. Kind of, not? but like these people, they put you on TV for a reason because you got a shtick or you're like, yeah, okay. you know, you're way hotter than the average person, right? right? Okay. So I always thought a show like The Bachelor would be hilarious with a regular person like fucking, you know, my buddy from down the street type guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How how well can this guy do? Like exactly, I doesn't just, look great, but right? he's hilarious. Like, he's pretty decent looking overall. <laughs> he's got an okay job. Like yeah, yeah. Send this guy out there and see how he does, and just you know, like I don't know. See if this guy I, I thought slay. that would be a great, great take on that. But um, so yeah, so CBD, CBA, CBD, CBA, CBD legit for a little while. Um, really awesome. I think great news. Being Leaf fans, especially selfish bastards, we are. Um, this is a, not a time where we want to see any missed NHL yeah. games. We don't need the Montreal Expo. We actually enjoy watching again. the team right now. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a pretty... It would have been fucking devastating. It would have been devastating. You know, I mean, it was always shitty as hell. But I mean, it's way worse when the Leafs are actually good. Yeah. So. Now, let me tell you real quick, just to interject, though. If they did decide to reopen, I wouldn't be sitting here today being nervous about a lockout. I personally wouldn't be. I don't No, but think... I would be somewhat pessimistic and like, oh, fucking typical. Well, it's coming up, right? Yeah, like it is. Yeah. It, it would it would what what would it what it uh, excuse me, what it would do is it would add pressure to teams like Toronto. It's not going to add pressure to Boston. They've won recently. It's not going to add pressure to you know any of these other great teams. Maybe Tampa because it's been a while. Two thousand four. I think and, it's really going to be pressure though to anyone who's good right anyone now. Anyone who's good, yeah. Basically, you know, that's like what I'm it's like at, you're yeah. missing out on an opportunity to bring to home a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And there's more at stake in during a lockout for a good team because you're leaving more revenue on the table. True. Much more than those teams that are basement dwellers. Yeah, they're like, oh, thank God there's no season. We're not going to lose $860 million this year. <laughs> but yeah, it is It is good. Our window is open now, as, as everyone likes to point out. Um, people like to make jokes about, oh, how can you have a window open if you can't get out of the first round? You know why? Because the team's fucking awesome. That's why. The team is clearly awesome. And if you can't see that, then you need to, you need to switch 
sports or something. Like, I mean, I understand the hatred of the Leafs. Okay, I get it. I hate the Leafs. Uh, I hate their fans. All this bullshit. But now we're being hated on because we're good. Yeah, but you can't. It's, yeah, it's, it's not so bad. No, it's not so bad. Like no, the, it's not. There so was bad. legit. There You're was right. legit criticisms and jokes to be made. And when we were is, terrible, you know, it's you can make some jokes at our um, expense as fans because we are kind of fuck goofs as fans sometimes. But why are we fans? We're idiots. Yeah, I know. Pretty much, that's like the definition <laughs> of being a fan of anything. Like, I mean, we have you like something even when it sucks. <laughs> that's that's what being a fan is. I mean, fine. We had some we had some decent runs in the late '90s and early thousands and all that stuff. But like, really, let's go. The team has never been like. Really good. Really good. No. I don't know if it's ever been really good, ever. And I'm including back in 1967. <laughs> like, <laughs> was anyone really good back then? I don't know. I don't know. Like, has the team ever been this good? Question. Well, not in our lifetimes. I think not in my lifetime. really matters to you as a fan. How know? much are you going to enjoy watching the team this season and why in particular i know we're not in our leaf segment but we're talking about we're getting it right carried now. away here i want to ask you how much I'm, are you going to enjoy and why are you going to enjoy it so much i'm going to fucking enjoy it and because they got players that are exciting to watch because even on a night where they lose there's still things in the game that you enjoy seeing it's the yep. play by this guy so you know it's there's all kinds of stuff for you to latch on to and at least be like well you know they show up every night because they rarely get dusted. Right. True. You know? True. Actually, that's true. That's a good point. Back when they were mediocre, middling, clinging to possibly ma- potentially making a playoff. You didn't know what you were getting. You would you'd have your five ones in their favor <laughs> and you'd have their seven ones against them. And then right? you'd have Nashville. Yeah. Nine, and then you'd have Nashville, right? And then everything's <laughs> fucked. So let me tell you, the, I'm going to have probably the most fun I've ever had um, in my career as a Leaf fan. I can't say in my life because... You know, I wasn't whatever. When I'm a child, I can't really compare it to now. So um, I'm going to have the best time, I think, in my life, in my in my career as a Leaf fan. And the main reason is because there's nothing to really focus my attention on other than winning the Stanley Cup. And I'm not saying it's cup or bust. I just mean like there's no outside stories. There's none. There's, there's no outside stories. There's no this. There's no that. Babcock is not there. Not a lot of distraction. Not there's a lot no of distraction. Drama. We're going to have a captain, right? Right. So, okay, we're, 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 we're going to have a captain, and it's going to be fucking fantastic. Just turn on television and see if they win or lose. No more like, well, uh, you know, this guy's not going to sign, or or we're going to trade. The, no, it's just this is the team. Here it is. Go. October 2nd, fucking go. Right through till April and hopefully May and June. And uh, it's going to be awesome, man. I fucking, I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, I'm absolutely stoked about it. And we'll get into that a little more later and some of the storylines that come with it. Uh, namely, a lot of lineup battles going on in camp. A lot of open spaces on the Maple Leafs this year. Um, I want to get a little bit into Phil Kessel getting traded. It was kind of a weirdly quiet story I found in amongst the summer summer news yeah i had no idea about and it, it was like ah kessel got traded again not a big deal and whereas before it was like this blockbuster deal and everything so he goes over to arizona um which had been rumored for quite a while i remember that was a potential uh deadline story i think that was going around that there was some interest from uh arizona on phil kessel but this story kind of uh took on a life of its own and a lot of it severs around evgeny malkin where he was allegedly kind of sick of the drama going on between Kessel and the coaching staff, Kessel and some of his teammates, was worried that having Kessel as a line mate was going to involve him in this drama by extension. 
and apparently had gone and said, you know, it's it's him or me type thing. Like I I want to move on. An ultimatum. Yeah, and 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 this is right around apparently the time where Jim Rutherford comes out and says, you know, oh, we're looking at all options. No one's safe but Sid. And allegedly, Sid had gone to Rutherford and said, no, yeah, Angino. Really? Like, eh? This guy's not going anywhere type thing. And we have no idea. Uh, as to whether or not he was even being considered training Malkin, which I think you'd have to be crazy to say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep Phil and get rid of Malkin. Like, yeah, I agree. I think it was, and Kessel's no stranger to this, but there's some friction between him and, and teammates or coaching staff. But um, interesting move for them. They bring over Galchenyuk. Uh, I guess they keep Malkin happy. But, you know, for Malkin to go that far to be like, you know, I'll re- I'm requesting a trade if you're not getting rid of him. That's there must have something really, something really intense, like something troublesome must have come between these two guys. I mean, it's all high times when you're you're wheeling into the playoffs and winning Stanley Cups, but you have a, a bit of a disappointing year, and that's where these things can come undone. You know, your point about Crosby uh, saying, uh, you know, hey, Malkin too. <laughs> I laughed a little bit. It wasn't funny, but I laughed because in my mind I had this little vision of 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 jim rutherford being you know up there being like listen uh everyone's available except for crosby and then crosby over behind him going and malkin and malkin <laughs> jimmy malkin oh and malkin of course malkin. <laughs> you know, like, like because you don't want to piss him off kind of thing and and sid's got that kind of clout he can go up to him and say yeah no you're keeping this guy yeah too, true right? it's true yeah it's not 2005 anymore crosby can basically say whatever the fuck he wants yeah exactly um but you know what dude like I, I hate to be this this guy because i don't want i don't really ever want to um fuel some sort of like cultural issue or racial like problem or something but I kind of feel, I can't help but feel that like a lot of the time, this is the kind of thing that you do get with the super talented um, import from somewhere else to, you know, our neck of the woods, so to speak, like Western society. So you bring a Malkin over, you bring an OV over, you bring a Line A over, and you know, early on, there's some, there's some not problems, but like, okay, you know, this guy's not the greatest attitude. Well, I mean, but there's got to be adjustments, right? You got to think of a guy like Malcolm showing up, not even able to speak English. I mean, that's a big adjustment alone. True. But I see what you mean about, you know, possibly getting this big headedness about you because, you know, you're a superstar in the NHL, but you're also a superstar back home. Oh, you're bigger back. Oh, you're bigger back home. Back home. And it's like, you get to a point where, yeah, maybe your head does get a little bit big. Because you're, you know, you're not, you're almost an international superstar, superstar to a certain yeah. degree, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because you've conquered your your home. Now you're going to come here and tell everyone here what's up. Right. That's the problem. I think I think that might be the the problem right there. Mm-hmm. You know, because then the players over here are like, bro, you're not coming over here and telling us how to work our business here. So you're kind of saying like you can see how there could be a conflict between these two players. Like Kessler was known to be one one way or the highway type player. You know, does his own thing, and then you got a guy like Malkin who, you know, might have a bit of a big ego and personality to go along with his incredible skill set. Yeah, and that's you know almost a recipe or a disaster, despite it being such a successful combination on the score sheet over yeah. the last few years. True, right? it's true. Eh? Is it ever funny how like we regular Joes have no insight really into? the intricacies of an NHL locker room. Or a player relationship. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. look at, 
the stat sheet and you think, oh, these guys have got great chemistry. Meanwhile, on the bench, they're fucking screaming each other, which we did see a little bit of. There were some clips, I remember, not just from this playoff run, but the playoff run where they won the cup of them two jawing yes. at each other on the but bench. But that's a Phil thing. Phil will Phil, Phil, tell it like it is yeah, on the bench. Yeah. To anybody, right? Yeah. But you see, that's where my thing comes back in. The Malkin, he's, he, Malkin's like, listen, I'm not going to take this from you. you know. And Kessel's like, well, fuck, then go take it somewhere else. And then Malkin's like, I will. Only you're going to go somewhere. You're going to go to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go to Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Go sweat off a couple LBs. Yeah, go. uh, Well, there won't be many hot dog stands. We already covered that, eh? There'll be more taco stands down there, I think. All right, so our our uh, another Russian, our uh, our buddy, the bird, cocaine koozie, <laughs> gets a four year a double IHF ban, which for a Russian probably fucking sucks because we know how passionate the Russians are oh. about the world championship and all that, bro. How like on what level do you think, if at all, like Vladimir Putin is 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 like involved? Not involved, but like pissed. You think he's pissed? Oh, probably. You could talk to him and be like, you know, you can't. Come on, we need you. We need you for the for the national team. No, they're probably trying to find a way to a infiltrate the double IHF and and make delete his over, record, overturn something <laughs> like that. Like, there's some strong arming going on. Like, you know, we're lucky the double IHF's not as crooked as like FIFA and all that kind of shit, or like the world anti doping agencies. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. Like. They get that's all corrupt and gets infiltrated by, you know, whomever. But you're so right, though, man. I mean, like, Russians, I think more than anyone, including Canadians and Americans, Russians live to play for that crest. Yeah, they've got that. They've got that incredible nationalistic yeah. culture that kind of a you could say is a bit of a holdover from the Soviet Union type shit. Yeah. Now that began. That began. And I think it's I think it's Ovechkin that was telling this story. He says. It might have been someone else, but who? Anyway, uh, someone from Russia, a big, big name player. I do believe it was Ovechkin. He was saying, "Listen, when we grow up as kids over there, it's not the Stanley Cup. It's not because there's no, no the, there's no league there. There's it was no the Red Army. Yeah, you were, you were a fan of the Red Army team, and the you know you looked at gold medals and world championships and things like that. Yeah, and necessarily the, grow up watching the NHL or looking up to NHL players. The highest form of success is a Olympic." gold medal or yeah. or any sort of gold medal where you represent your country yeah. so that would be world honor for world mother champs. russia yeah world juniors uh where whatever the case may be so yeah i mean it's uh i think it's hitting them hard there for a four-year ban that's uh i don't know if the players are going to be going to the next olympics or not but uh i know who won't be going for sure and that's uh cocaine koozie now my only question about <laughs> this Kuznet- not uh, kuznetsov situation i was reading the article about it and the statement from the IHF earlier today was that he tested positive for banned substance, cocaine. So I'm thinking, so this picture surfaces. We talked about it. This was back in, what, June or something? Like when this surfaced? Yeah, the we video. We talked about it on the show yeah. of him sitting there while there's a bunch of lines on the table. But then he tested positive for it. Okay, cocaine only stays in your system. I think it's like up to forty-eight hours or something like that. Oh, fucking Mister so, Know-It-All! Over yeah, here. yeah. I did some research here. I saw it for science. Oh, yeah, and uh, scientific purposes. Yeah, scientific purposes. And um, <laughs> so that means that he got tested probably after this came out, and had done cocaine recently enough to test positive. Did he not know that he was going to get fucking tested as soon as this came out? Can't stay off. They were going to be looking for him and be like, "Yeah, you got to pee in this cup here, bud." And what? What is he? 
was he out the night before or yeah coming yeah. off a bender like i yeah you bring up i a don't good know point. man that's i and you know i could be wrong about this stuff and i i just immediately that was my reaction like but you he had up, to know they were coming for him. well you bring up a good point you just got heat bagged it's not like it weed right where you gotta fucking shave all the body hair off your you know <laughs> off you and it's like 30 days or something before that stuff gets out of your system no wonder michael phelps became a professional swimmer it wasn't because he liked swimming it's because he liked smoking weed yeah, and he, and he had to any body shave hair, off so. all his body hair. He's like, well, I might as well <laughs> swim. <laughs> How does he get caught? He's got no body hair. I might as well swim. But anyway. seriously, yeah, you just got heat bagged with a video on the internet where you... you probably lay low for a little you while. You are the closest person in the room to the cocaine. There's the cocaine. If it had arms, it could reach out and touch you. Okay, so that was my thing. I remember we talked about that on the podcast last go because you were kind of like, you know, you were playing it safe. You were like, listen, you know, he's probably doing it, but you can't say that can't he say is. That he was for sure yeah you can't right and then there was me where i was like bro he's in control of the cocaine there's several lines he's the closest guy there and i remember his statement at that time was like i don't do it right right didn't he come out and say like i don't do that yeah and he said i've never done it and i won't do it and and it's like okay listen man if you've never done it won't do it and never even considered it before you wouldn't be sitting there man you'd be over there you'd be elsewhere i'm not saying you'd be out of the room you got the wrong chums yeah but no but the, like let's say you were into it and you wanted to go do a line over there on my fucking counter i'm not gonna kick you out of my house i don't give a rat's ass i'm not doing it i don't care so but not only is he hanging out with a shady character and we did talk about this before but shady enough guy that this guy's ready to fucking potentially blackmail him or whatever the hell happened there oh as well, yeah right oh, so yeah. anyway he's uh he's suspended for an international player for four years so we'll see how that pans out for him and right. uh and then i guess the other thing that's kind of it's not as uh, prevalent i guess online now and i haven't seen it going around as much but people are freaking the fuck out about this like dude your favorite nhl player probably did or does fucking drugs okay so take a chill pill on that like it's more common than you might think yeah it's more common than you definitely think yeah it definitely is more common if than you're you someone who thinks that only a handful of players in the nhl rail lines then you are wrong <laughs> you are high <laughs> way too high no but seriously yeah it, it happens big deal who cares yeah guys need on. picker ups um minnesota wild this whole fucking Paul Fenton debacle was a hell of a story. Now, they hired Billy Guerin. Sounds like a good guy. Um, probably should fire their first move for him is fire the PR guy. Because I don't know if you saw that picture they posted of him where he looked all greased up. It was it was a terrible angle. And it was it was so weird. It was right on the statement press release. Okay. Anyway. Um, like, thanks for catching me on my good day, guys. Pretty much. Yeah. He's like, you couldn't found something better than that. Anyway. So this, this article, though, by um, The Athletics, Michael Russo, I believe his name is. Um, yeah. He, he wrote this unbelievable article that uh, was very well sourced and kind of gave you the inside scoop to what went on during Paul Fenton's reign as GM of the Wild over the course of the year. And it, it appeared that as the the season wore on and the team was middling as they usually do, right. um, there was a lot of internal conflict. And some of it was uh, related to stories that he wrote. So once some stories came out, uh, this Fenton guy was apparently just going around the building accusing everybody of leaking it, like low-level employees at the rink and shit like that. Just putting on a... A kind of a what not to do, how to not manage any business. Right, let alone an NHL here. franchise. Yeah. yeah, so it sounds like 
And it sounds like Craig Leopold, the owner, gave him a lot of leeway here too because as you rightfully pointed out when we talked about this earlier, he wasn't even canned till late July. Yeah, what the fuck? They waited till after free agency. Uh, sorry, they waited till after the draft and then after free agency. Like It's very similar to the Shirelli situation where they allowed him to uh, offer um, Miko Koskinen a stupid contract to play goalie for them and <laughs> right. then fired him 24 right, hours yeah, later. Right after that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's strange timing. It's very, very strange timing. It le- leads me to believe that there's got to be more to it. And you've uh, you've re- referenced this article where, you know, it seems to be that Russo really points out some of the, some of the finer points. And you know what? Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Mike Russo is a really good follow. He's a really good uh, reporter. Uh, he's on Sirius often. He's 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 one of their go-to guys, and I love to hear him when he's on. So when you told me it was Russo, I immediately started you know um, going going through and, and picking out some of the important points. So yeah, it's it's super strange, man. The Wilder fucked. They're yeah, that, and that, it just sounds like a lost year. And you know, there was a couple bad trades. There was that Niederreiter for Rast trade that ended up being shit, mm-hmm. and a lot of people kind of called shit right off the bat. Um, one of the most interesting thing was, and I can kind of understand as an organization, yeah, you might not want to go in the draft and free agency with the GM you don't want, but I mean, if they're giving them a bit of leeway here and trying to work with the guy, I mean, you got a bit of egg on your face if you got to fire a guy within a year, right? Like yeah. if you're the owner. Yeah. It kind of looks stupid. So you're like, okay, we'll see how this goes. But you also don't want to pull the plug on a GM going into the draft, right? Like that's kind of a weird place. But here's the kicker of the whole story. They had a couple of the brightest, you know, some of the brighter young analytical minds in the business. The guys who founded War on Ice, um, they were not a part of the team by the time the draft rolled around. They did not renew these guys' contracts and did not replace them either. So these guys went in the draft with an analytics department of pretty much zero. Do you think they stole all their notes first and then said, fuck off? Well, I'm sure it's proprietary property of them all their research but i wonder if the team also or those guys might have fucked off and like ah i didn't say that whoops you know like what an interesting question though like i i just asked you that question for for banter i wanted to know what you thought i don't think i didn't think that you had knowledge on it oh yeah that i know that they had all their notes but isn't that interesting like if you got hired tomorrow to work for an nhl organization or any sports organization for that matter and and you're and you're you're uh you're calling was the analytical game and all your percentages of this and that. And the oh, other they thing. own your data, I'm pretty they sure. They do, You eh? sign something. Like, you know how a lot of these guys who run websites, when they got hired, their, their site shut down because oh, that okay. data is now considered like proprietary and, and um, I can't remember the word for it, but it's a, uh, like anti-competition measure right, okay. or whatever it is, okay. right? Like anything you've generated and anything you will generate is property of this fraud franchise or business. You see it a lot in business. like Which makes sense. But it's I mean, like an man, intellectual property at that point. A lot of hard work though. It's a lot of hard work, but I mean, that's what, what gets you in the door. So yeah, they went in with no analytics staff and there was like a weird story about during the season, they had like a, a team retreat, um, like a management retreat, I guess, or front office. They went all went to Florida and they, they he purposely didn't invite the analytics guys. Like they were, they were like everyone went except for them, sort of thing. So, not only did he, they not have a good relationship with the department, but he didn't really buy into the whole thing or understand it necessarily. Right. And then, as a result, they end up not retaining uh, two critical staff members at a critical point in the season. You got to think that had to be a big influence as well in the decision to finally cut ties with this guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, like we said, strange timing for me, man. 
I don't know where the team is going to go from here. I mean, I've been... They've I'm been not, stuck in the middle for a long yeah. time. Remember, I've said it before on the podcast. I said the, the Minnesota Wild are like the Columbus Blue Jackets of the Western Conference. In the sense that like they're there, they're good, but they're just not good enough. I don't even think they've anything. been good for a while, you know? Like I, I don't even know if I'd call them good. I, I and they've been mediocre forever, but I, I, I feel like that's even starting to fade because uh, a lot of the core of that team, the, the guys who've been there for a while and have been, um, you know, the, the 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 main drivers of that team are getting old. Yeah, they are, right? and and that that leads me to my point of I don't know where they're going to go from here. I mean, they're they almost, should be tearing this thing down. They're almost like the Leafs when before they admitted that it was time to burn it down. No good high draft picks because you're always just on the out, just on the fringe of the playoffs. Middling. Yeah, you're you're constantly middling, which is. You know, yeah, you're trying to compete and you don't want to mail it in or you don't want to tank, but in a way, it's almost bad for business in the sense that you're never going to get that high of a pick out of it. So let me let me bring this up to you, and I don't mean this as a slight to you in any way, shape, or form, but you just told me that you didn't even know if you'd call them good, right? Well, uh, last year they missed the playoffs. Okay, fine. So I can give you that. Uh, the year before that, playoffs, 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 playoffs. But never, so, how many rounds they win though? Uh, okay, so if we're going all the way back to when they first, when they started that run of one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive years in the playoffs, starting in 2013, lost in the conference finals, uh, lost in the second round, lost in the second round, and then three straight first round exits. So three straight first round exits. Followed by a season where you failed to qualify. All right, so I be a little harsh by saying they're it's not a, even it's good. a little harsh by okay. saying they're not even good. But my point is, they they aren't there anymore. They might have been there. Right. They right. might have been there back in 2012 to 2015. They may have been a piece away from being then more competitive and yeah, then. But now they're pulling the. Toronto Blue Jays um, of recent, and if we go a little bit further back, they're pulling the Vancouver Canucks. Back when the Vancouver Canucks were a piece or two away but couldn't get over the hump, and then they tried to remain relevant for too long when they should have right. just blew it up. Right, when you're when you're signing guys. Now, they had that Zuccarello contract, I know we'd mentioned before, but it was kind of an odd one because it's like, why... Again, what are you doing? Okay, what are you so doing? You, you're yeah. trying to remain competitive, obviously, by bringing a guy like Zuccarello. Um, they just gave Jared Spurgeon a very wealthy deal, which I think is an excellent deal, just because you need that guy. Like he is, yeah, he's he's good very player. underrated. You know, he's an outstanding. Because he plays in Minnesota, and he's been he's been there forever. But yeah, exactly, because he plays for a goddamn mediocre he's underrated, team. Underrated, yeah. But listen, here's my biggest thing right now is that uh, Billy Garen is brought in. I instantaneously felt two things for Billy Guerin. I felt uh, excited for Billy Guerin because I like Bill Guerin. I, I always did growing up. I thought he was a, a one of my more, just my kind of player. Good old hard-nosed yeah. hockey player. Yeah. So, so you got Bill Guerin comes in. I'm excited for Bill Guerin. And then that feeling was instantly washed out with like fear and, 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 sympathy for Bill Guerin because Bill Guerin is going to cut his teeth in this league as a general manager with a team that he will not be there to see reap the benefits is what I'm getting at here. He's probably going to go through this next, like what, four to six years, three to three to six years with this team. If he does well, it'll be three to six years. And by the time he's out, 
they might be good again. But I don't think they're going to be good at all during his tenure, man. Here's the, the, end, the ending line of the article that you tagged. Fenton's successor has some serious work to do, especially if the Wilds owner still has the same distorted vision of what's best for this team. So you've even got the beat reporter. So you've got a bit of a hands-on approach here. You've even got the beat reporter saying, guys, it's over. You know, right. it, the, the dream's over. Get rid of some guys, get some picks, do, yeah. do the right thing here. No, we're, we can win the Stanley Cup. We can win the Stanley Cup. We're a couple pieces away. And it was, so now they're going to fucking go out and what? Try to win the Stanley Cup for the next couple of seasons? How's that going to go for you? There was a really interesting quote that I read today. Um, and it was, once again, from him where he mentioned that here is here's this team that is of the belief and holds the attitude that the Stanley Cup's attainable simply because look at the St. Louis Blues. Like, you just need to get the playoffs and anything can happen. Great, a one-off. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. A, a one-off. A one-off on a hot goalie. You yourself up for a one-off. But, I mean, don't you want to strive to be perennial contenders? Like, it's not not the goal here. It's not not going to put butts in the seat and money in the bank at the end of the day. You might have no, no cups after five years, but if you are in the upper echelon of teams, your bank account is going to look a lot better. Absolutely. And the fans are still going to come. They're still going to enjoy the team. Right, because you're going to be competitive. You're competitive. But, and I can see how fans of, of such a team could get jaded. I think we've been in that place probably as Leaf fans yeah. once or twice. Yeah. So it's, it's man, it's such a situation where I look at it and it's like, I don't even know what to do. Do you blow it up? I guess you probably do. Just given the fact that, like I said, that core is aged to the point and the results kind of speak for themselves that they're just, I don't see a way in which this team becomes all of a sudden a contender. No, that's what I'm getting at. You look at the, you look at the teams around this league that are going to be Stanley Cup contenders, okay? I understand that the St. Louis Blues just won the Stanley Cup. Congratulations. They had a great team. They played as a team. You could see it. However, you need you need the, the, the talent. And I know I'm wrong instantly because the St. Louis Blues just did it, but they did have guys. They did have Tarasenko. They did have O'Reilly, okay? They did have Petrangelo on the back end. They have some higher echelon players, and those guys are in what's called their prime. Being in your prime is very important in sports. And as you mentioned a couple times already, the Minnesota Wild don't have guys that are elite, super talented players in this league that are currently in their prime or about to enter right. and their that's, prime. And that's where the concentration of their cap is in guys who were past it. You know, they, they're still got term on those ridiculous contracts they signed back in the day. Unfortunate, but that's what you get for circumventing the cap. You're still paying the price for it, right? Yeah, and I mean, like it even says here in the article as well, like Leopold has already shot down the idea of a rebuild. So, I mean, they're going for it. And you know what I'd love to see right now? You know what I'd love to see this year, dude? I'd love to see another Columbus situation. I don't know what Minnesota... Oh, to see if they could somehow like go all in. Like, go all in, yeah. Like trade for every expiring contract. Yeah. Well, and- the problem here is I, I don't want to bring it up because it'll be a waste of time and bad podcasting. But like, I, I don't know what their um, contract situation is like. Like Clearly, in Columbus, there was two huge ones. There was Bobrovsky, the starting goalie, one of the best goalies in the world, and Panarin, uh, unbelievably skilled winger, one of the best in the world, right? So there was two players at 
different positions that were incredibly important to the team that they were going to lose. Um, you know, figuratively, I guess everyone yeah. kind of thought they were going to lose them. So not only did they not trade them, they elected to double down and get right. everyone else, like you said. So I don't know what the Minnesota Wild situation is like right now in terms of they're going to lose this guy or that guy. But I guess I'd like to see some form of Columbus go for it mentality where they just trade a i don't know oh my oh, god well, that would be so like bad maximum chaos and that's that would be so bad do you think that columbus thing is gonna inspire anyone to to make a similar move because yeah columbus ended up losing but they fucking knocked off tampa bay like they oh, had no. a path to the cup like a visible path yeah right like they had an opportunity yeah it didn't work out that's playoffs for you yep but I did. like that's an interesting point. What does Minnesota make a move like it that? It could be the wild does somebody this year. Go all in. Like I guess the concern is that you end up in shambles at the end of the day. Like you definitely need to have, you definitely still need to have a five years out plan. And I think for Columbus, at least they felt confident in their young stars. They they felt like they had a young group that they still weren't going to be set back too far, even after losing those guys. Right. You know they got Seth Jones, they got Wierenski, they got yep. Dubois. I mean, it's not, the cupboards aren't bare, right? No, that's true. And just one more quick thing on the wild before we move on. Like, let's be honest here. This is the most Minnesota wild talk you're ever going to (laughs) hear. Yeah, I love it. Well, we'll have more, uh, we'll have a little, well, actually this will make it easier on our Minnesota wild. Maybe uh, we should do a wild segment. segment, Just check in on the wild every (laughs) once in a while. So just quickly, um, last year was definitely an off year for the team. Let's go. They only had 37 wins uh, to 36 losses. They only scored 211 goals uh, versus 237 against, so they were a minus team. The two years previously, they were uh, they were over a hundred point team. They scored uh, average 260 goals, and they only gave up about 215 on average. I wonder if a so, bit of that. Sorry to interrupt, but isn't a bit of that maybe a reflection of, of like the weakness of the Western Conference? It could, yeah, that's a really good point. That is, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But but my point is anyway. Go on. My point is they aren't a perennial eighty three point team. I don't think that they're a perennial one hundred point team. But I definitely think there's somewhere in the middle there. So let's say so they're so, still in the middle. <laughs> so no 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 because if you're saying in the middle of eighty three and one hundred and one, you're probably at about ninety. Right. Which so is which is only a f- playoff team. Well, you're a few point few points away from guaranteeing yourself as a position in in a uh, in a divisional playoff spot so what i'm getting at here is let's say the minnesota wild are in wild wild card no pun intended there wild card position number one and the trade deadline is coming up and billy Guerin is has only been on the job for like six months what is he going to do is he going to pull the fucking trigger is he going to get rid of a first round pick like i mean this isn't fantasy dude but i'm realizing this year after trading my first second fourth and fifth or sorry, my first, third, first, third, fourth, and fifth. So you're not even showing up. Delta. I, I have two picks in the second round. I have to hit on both of them because they're going to be very important. But I'm. I know it's not fantasy. It's real life. But what I'm saying is, I'm learning right now the repercussions of fucking dealing picks away and what you have to deal with if it, if it didn't work for you, mm-hmm. right? So what is Bill Guerin going to do on his cell phone if they are in a generally good position like a wild card thing you can't anticipate the minnesota wild winning the division and i don't think you can also anticipate the minnesota wild finishing in last place in the conference so it's going to be really really interesting and you're right dude we might have to have a 
wild segment. <laughs> What's going on with the wild? What's going on with the wild? You oh, know, man. because uh, it you is, wouldn't know otherwise if we didn't tell you. So, well, I'm I I know me for sure, man. I'm going to be keeping tabs because I'm interested to see what Bill Guerin. Well, I want to see do what they're going to do because, like again, year. like we I said earlier, I have no idea what you do with that franchise. But anyway, we'll move on there. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the shakeup at Sportsnet. Um, oh. We do like to follow the media and kind of how. You know, we're, we're critical of commentators sometimes here on this show. You might have heard us. Um, but so Kipper, um, Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean, and John Shannon, so uh, some vets, some Sportsnet vets, some hockey vets, um, are out of the picture. They're not going to be on the main broadcast. They're not going to be doing anything for Sportsnet. The whole anymore. panel. Um, which basically, is, yeah, but basically right? the whole panel. And, you know, a lot of people, they give those guys a lot of guff online and shit. And it, it's... I, I, you know, I've never been a big fan of the intermission shows or the pregame shows because TV is so condensed and scripted. Very Those scripted. guys have uh, 30 seconds to get off their point, and it's usually got to be something fiery to get the people going and the reactions and to start an argument amongst panelists. Um, those guys are very experienced, knowledgeable insiders and, you know, sound like great people overall. I really think the show's format didn't do them a lot of favors. Like, did you ever see those those um, they, things they did in intermission where they purposely just made Kiprios and McLean pick a hot take and argue, and then they did like a a real time poll as to who was right or who was yeah terrible winning the debate? It was it was so stupid because here you're taking these guys who know a lot and have a lot to offer, but just trying to like fire up hot takes. For the sake of putting out hot takes, not for the sake of providing valuable insight and analysis to the game. Well, uh, let's start off with the reasoning behind the changes. Um, Rogers, as a company, is cutting back. Plain and simple. They lost, they lost revenue. Uh, they've been losing revenue over the last couple of seasons. Ever since they signed that, whatever it was, fucking $5.6 billion deal to be the exclusive right holder of the rights holder of the NHL. Um, they've been seeing decline from that moment. And I'm telling you right now, dude, if we could rewind the fucking clock and watch my reaction when I realized that Rogers was g- gaining access and TSM was fucked, it was a bad day for me. I, I had a terrible day that day. I'm serious. You know me, dude. I, I do the broadcasting thing. I got the Lumber Kings uh, season opener coming up, or home, sorry, home opener coming up on Sunday. They're five and zero, oh, by the way. Yes, don't they look are. now. Don't look now. But I love, I love the broadcast aspect. I pay attention to it more than the average person. And Rogers and Sportsnet has been delivering a subpar production, entertainment value to me, the consumer. Forever, yeah, and a lot of people Forever. point to a lot of people point to personalities. You know, like TSN, they always say has the better personalities, um, the better analysts, and things like that. And I would agree. I, I don't think that Sportsnet necessarily has a lack thereof. I mean, probably the biggest names or the most, um, probably the people I enjoy hearing from the most are like Chris Johnson, Elliot Friedman, obviously Jeff Merrick. Those three, you know, Boom, right there. Those One, guys, two, three, and those those are probably their big guns, and we're going to see a whole lot more of this season. Um, but I do see them maybe trying to uh, expand and, and maybe do things a little differently than they have done because they tried to bulk up on guys when they did sign that rights. A lot of guys, they tried to poach a lot of guys from TSN who didn't go over. 
who were loyal to the network and stuck around. Well, it was easy for them to do so because TSN still maintained their regional rights. Right. And so they that still was had big. a way to be like, big. give them the, work. We're the home for the hockey and everything yeah. like that. But, and, you know, they still do unreal ratings with things like Trade Center and all yeah, that. They kind still of shit. actually they crush Sportsnet it's, still. It's, it's, it's garbage, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, but, true. Um, I, I think that Sportsnet's always had a bit of catching up to do, but I, I still think there's something to be said for not maybe necessarily utilizing the talent that they have over there. I would be, uh, that's a fair point. I'm like, I'm not sitting here saying like, this guy sucks, this guy sucks. No, I don't necessarily think that any one person or people suck. You make a great point. And I'm glad you bring it up because I li- I'd like to make my, my point to not argue, but to go along with what you just said. I'd, I'd be totally okay putting this on the producer or the director um, who, whomever is in charge of basically here's what we're going to do tonight and here's how we're going to do it. Or here's a template. Here's what we're going to do every week. Every week, this is what we're going to do. Right. I think it's a little deeper than just than just the, the talent. People. I mean, they, and they had that whole Strombo debacle at the beginning Ooh, of this yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't the only misstep we've seen um, in terms of their hockey broadcasting. And, and we've gone on at length, I think, last year and when we first started this show about the change in in uh, commentary um, and how much we enjoyed the uh, thrilling calls of Mr. Romanak. <sighs> and uh, previous to that, um, I can't even remember, but I know we didn't like him. Bro, it, it's been it's been an absolute mess. I, I, I'm sorry to say it, but it's been a mess. And you know what, man? Um, my roommate from my third year yeah third year at uh, university of ottawa he will enjoy hearing this because <laughs> we we may have been intoxicated at the time but we literally like penned an email and i say pen like but, a strongly uh, worded letter yeah to sportsnet being like guys you need to figure it out like you need to figure it out you're so you're so far behind tsn and this is coming from this is coming from the exact people that you want watching your program, which is 19, 20-year-old 20, 20 yeah. males. I'm not saying females can't. I'm just saying I'm a male. Relax, Target everybody. demographic. Fucking relax. Target demographic. 20-year-old males who are drinking beers, smoking joints, and watching sports at like midnight to get their highlights. Zero percent of us are going to Sportsnet because it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And you have a competitor down the street that is miles ahead of you. And the day that they gave it to Rogers, it was like, what in the fuck? Who is making this decision? It's all money. But it was money, yeah. It was it was definitely a highest bidder because I remember as a fan and, and you know, a fan of TSN their production, I'm thinking, why the hell do when they get and they do a better job at it? But all of a sudden Rogers starts spending all this money and trying to trying to make a comparable product essentially for their broadcast, which they had to do. They had to step their game up because it's almost like they bought something they weren't prepared to fulfill, you know? And like you said, oh, it was about money. The NHL wasn't sitting there listening like, what's your plans for production? You guys got a new studio yeah, in mind? True. It had nothing to do with that. It was like, ah, right, well, you're going to outbid Bell Media for it. Good. All right, you're done. True. Sign the fucking check. Off you go. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to see what they do. See if they mix things up. Maybe or Brian see- Burke. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that I think that's been the speculation is that we're going to hear more of like Brian Burke, but like let's hope that we see a little more Chris Johnson, maybe yeah. Ken Reed, like just like take advantage of the guys you do have, David Amber, Isn't like Kevin Weeks there too. Yeah, I or he was previously, but let, let's I liked let's him. Hopefully, they he was take on advantage CBC. Of, 
Right. Yeah. Which is Sportsnet. Which is they brought in there. But yeah. anyway, they let's hope that they, they get their shit together and figure it out because I think they still got a lot of time left on the broadcast rights. So. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They most and definitely please, do. And, and please homer up the broadcast a little bit more. Like, I know you're not regional broadcast. Like, get over national, it. But, like, it's fucking, it's Lee's Hockey Saturday night, okay? Like, can you stroke them off a little more for Get me? over it, man. <laughs> like, when you fucking people are watching the game because like, they're we Leafs watched, fans. We went on about this last year in the playoffs. Like, if I got to hear about how great David Pasternak is one more time <laughs> in the pregame, that's not why I'm here, dog. I'm not here for this. It's true. It's true. Anyway. Like, listen, yeah, we're not going to be throwing ourselves off a building because Joe Bowen's not in the booth doing TV. He's in the booth and he's doing radio. And you know what we do? Cater to your fucking audience, right? Yeah. And by we, I don't mean me and you. We, I mean people. People are now, well, not now. It's been going on for a couple of years. But people are syncing up Joe Bowen's voice to the audio because we can't have him. You won't give him to us. That's right. fine. We're not gonna. We're not going to be clamoring about that all day long. But the least you can do is... Is try. I mean, just try. Just to, cater to your audience. Yeah. I guess that's what it is at the end of the day. Like, I just want you to to cater to me, and I feel like I'm a, a pretty average representative of the people who are watching your program, watching the Leafs play. You know, three nights a week on your on your channel. Dude, look at golf, man. Okay, just for a quick moment, look at golf. Okay, when Tiger plays golf, it's all about Tiger. It's Tiger, right? It's Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. And because, all they're going to talk about is Tiger. They're not going to talk about David Pasternak. No, but, but, <laughs> but guess what, dude? Like if you had if you had a, a, a hundred thousand people that are tuned in to watch this golf station right now. You know why they're tuned in? They're, well, I'm going to say at least 86,000 of them yeah. are fucking watching Tiger. The other 14 probably don't yeah. even like Tiger, but they love golf. Well, why do they love golf so much? Because Tiger made golf. That's why. Yeah. So he's on the fucking television. You, you go over to the Leafs. The Leafs didn't make hockey. The Leafs aren't the biggest thing since fucking sliced bread, but they have an unbelievably deep fran, uh, fan base that extends all across the country. You have to understand if 80% of your audience is Leaf fans, I have no idea if that's true. That's just a number I'm pulling my fucking ass. But you have to understand if your audience is you know that much invested in one team, the least you can do is cater to them a little bit. A little. I understand the idea of being fucking impartial or whatever, media and all that kind of stuff. But let's be honest... I mean, people give the people what they want. Yeah, well, we talked right? about this. It's year. almost the advantage CSN has on their Leafs broadcast or their Sens broadcast or whomever because they're regional, so they're allowed to homer it up and talk about one team the whole time. It's true. It's true, and that's what makes the TSN broadcast that's, look even better. That would might be what makes them better because I get to listen to an Leafs intermission hockey. or a pre pregame show that's Leafs hockey and all about the Leafs. The only time we get the Leafs getting stroked uh, on the Sportsnet feed is when it's fucking commercials. <laughs> Scotiabank, your official bank of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Wonder Bread, your official bread of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they go back to the broadcast. Mitch and Marner like, and four different commercials. Yeah, of course. Intact Insurance, your official insurance carrier for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Then they go back to the panel and it's like, hey guys, the Leafs are playing hockey, but fuck them. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> News coming out of Arizona today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So since we're already uh, talking a lot to Leafs here, let's move on to the Buds All Day segment of the podcast um shit man i can't believe we already got here but it feels like we've been here for days <laughs> what i i feel like we've been talking for days doing already. this pod dude we're only at a buck 20 and we have done a really good job of talking a lot of leafs even before the segment so i feel like at this point like i'm fucking ready to go I'm yeah but we fired up. we talked about this before dude like the team is good now which means we're going to talk about them oh, absolutely when the chicago blackhawks were amazing we talked about the chicago blackhawks a lot 
Yeah, we haven't talked about them all yet. No, because they suck. There's no update on where's Chicago Blackhawks. By the way, we'll probably come up uh, next week. I think, folks, we're going to get into a little bit of previews and making some crazy-ass predictions and shit like that. Right, um, I think it's where we're I'm saying. picking the Blackhawks for getting back in the playoffs this year. I like it. So uh, we, what we're going to roll, Western Conference preview next week mm-hmm. with some whatever. We'll see how, how long that, that takes us. Uh, and then we'll get a handle on how long we can expect our Eastern Conference preview to be, which will be the following Tuesday, one night before the regular season begins. So on the eve of the NHL regular season, we will drop a pod. It will be the Eastern Conference preview and a full Leafs preview as well. So make sure you guys are subscribed on uh, iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or SoundCloud. You know what, dude? I just recently realized that iHeartRadio is like a podcast platform. Oh, they have podcasts? Apparently, it's number one in podcasting. When you open up the app, it says... Really? It says now number one in podcasting. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. So, I mean, that could be for a certain demographic. They might be the number one podcast for all cooking podcasts, mm-hmm. which means they can they can legally say number one, which is what all the car manufacturers do. Right. Right? If they are voted safest. Best truck of the year. Yeah, best truck of the year in terms of the uh, rims. Best rims. And they're like, yeah, best rims. Boom, voted. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they pay for those awards. Like weird yeah, true, true, awards. true. Anywho. Um, so yeah, that's our little breakdown. So make sure you guys are uh, subscribed and you're uh, tuning in because we're going to have some uh, some good stuff. Also, um, during our previews, uh, let's go for each team. They're probably only going to be five, five minutes long. We're not going to do something crazy. Five, eight, maybe ten at the most if it's a really interesting Point team. is the episode won't be as long as this one. We're coming off over a month off, so you knew this was going to be long. Yeah, but what so. do you think? Why do you keep saying it's long? This is It's only an hour and 27 minutes. Yeah, We've had fucking podcasts over two hours. Oh, I know, but we're already over like our average our <laughs> average there. So. Fucking guy with the watch We haven't here. even got into the goddamn Leafs yet. We talked about the Leafs all fucking episode. True, but now we're really <laughs> now we're re- Now we're Leafs. talking solely about the Leafs. Yeah, like this we're getting into like real leafer talk here. All right. Like, all right, put your fucking leaf hat on. What's the deal? What are you bringing to me here? Well, I want to first, I want, what's your off season grade here for the Leafs? Like, I just want to want to know. Cause I mean, let's grade it all. We, we everything's done now. There's going to be no changes. I mean, we're other than the, the lineup battles, but I mean, in terms of players in players out, we're not going to see anything. We're probably not going to see any trades, anything like that. Like, all right. So we have the full body of work. Of the off season, to a Dubis grade. grade? On. You want I, me to give yeah, a Dubis grade? That's, that's who's really right. at the head of it. Okay, so um, my uh, my friends and uh, acquaintances that know me well enough will expect me to give Dubis something that starts with an A. And um, as much as I would like to do that, I'm going to have to err on the side of caution and give him a nice strong B plus. Ah. A nice, strong B+. And the reason for that is I can't get to an A without without seeing what's going to happen. You know what I mean, dude? It's a prediction here. It's a prediction. Because if the team really comes together and you see the success of being able to pay your stars a lot of money and then fill it out with you know cheaper guys, if you can make that work, well, then obviously it's an A+. But today as we sit without really knowing what that fourth line is going to look like without really knowing what that third pairing on D is going to look like. And listen, I understand that those are the two least important 
aspects of the team, your fourth line and your third line D. I get that, but they are still aspects of your team. Mm -hmm. And without knowing how they're going to shape out, without knowing who's going to battle for roles and and fill in the holes left by by Zach Hyman and left by uh, Travis Dermott, those are two big players for us, okay? I, I can't get into that A category, but listen, man, you re-sign, you re-sign the likes of Janssen and Kapanen into multi-year deals. You move Kadri out. You replace him with Alex Kerfoot, and you extend him. Uh, you move out weighted contracts in Zaitsev and Marlow, and you bring in retained salary on Tyson Berry. Uh, it's got to be B plus, almost A. All right. So I'm going to throw him. I'll be a little more generous than you. I'll give him an A minus. Okay. I'll tell like you it. why. The A, obviously, because just like you said, everything going in the offseason that needed to happen, happened. We signed our guys. We brought in some spare parts and some guys to compete for positions. That We totally remade the defense. We addressed the deficiency on the right side. They got rid of Marlowe and Zaitsev's contract. They moved on from some of Babcock's favorite boat anchors and Ron His toys Hansi. are gone. Yeah, his toys are gone. They took his toys there. Connor Brown, unfortunately, had to be a casualty to that, but so on and so forth. Yeah, good luck, Connor. Um, we pitched a whole lot about assistant coaches towards the end of last year. Brand new coaching staff and Paul McFarland and uh, Dave Hackstall. True. So I, what more could we ask for? Everything, everything we possibly could have wanted to happen in this offseason happened. The minus, the only thing I'll give them the minus for was the overpay on the minor contract and the fact that the D, although remodeled, is a bit of a question mark. Um, part of it, maybe a bit beyond his control, but I'm sure within his realm of understanding is the fact that a lot of these guys are on expiring deal. In fact, the whole defense core will be UFAs and RFAs at the end of this season. Oh, great. I told you I just wanted to enjoy the fucking season. Yeah, but we're not talking about big guns here. We're talk- <laughs> But we're talking about the bulk of the defense core, True, right? I know. And, and, and we'll the- lose some guys and we'll be able to give a guy right, like Barry. But I like that flexibility yeah. aspect of it. But I mean, we're really up in the air. Um, we're not sure how CC is going to do. I really, I really like to think, and I'm inclined to believe that being in a better situation in Toronto will be an opportunity to see if there is something untapped or untapped potential with this guy. We've said it already. I'll say it again. I will not shit on CC until he makes me. Right. I don't want to be that unfair guy that goes in with a closed-minded opinion that, and he can't change my mind. Yeah, and, and like he doesn't I, need to change my mind. He and, just needs to show me what he can do. And I'm cool, and I understand. I've seen the analytics. I've seen the numbers. They're not good, but. I mean, you're being transplanted from a basement dweller up to a contending team. So that circumstances alone are going to change everything for you and give them the best opportunity to succeed. I know we touched on it last episode, but I wanted to hammer away at that point. And he's playing for cash, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's on a one-year, right? Find me a better player than a guy who doesn't have a contract next year. Right. And I mean, you don't want to be scouring around for jobs. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess we got to hit the big topic next. Obviously, that's the Marner uh, Marner deal. Um, This was a... I mean, it was almost a good thing that we didn't podcast all summer because we would have... Ripped all our fucking hair out, probably talking about this deal. And well, let's be—we would have been all over the map. And here well, we get to have a nice, clean, concentrated takes because it's over. Because it's over, we can react. Um, and we're a lot probably calmer than we would be 
I mean, we're probably a lot calmer than we were a week ago. Yeah, oh going my into God. camp with no contract. Dude, when I got up the next day, of course, it happened Friday evening about six, seven, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Yeah. And when I woke up the next day on the Saturday, can't remember what I, what I had going on. I had, oh, uh, my buddy had just moved home from living out in Winnipeg for the last three years. Um, so we had him stay at our place and uh, we were all hanging out together. Um, he arrived Friday around five and then we were eating and we were sitting right here at the kitchen table and like I had been doing probably every two to three hours, I would just pull up Twitter. Oh, I was on every two to three minutes after <laughs> I, after I saw the story or a drag tweet out or something about, uh, like things are heating up sort of thing. I was. I was oh, you mean it. that? You mean when uh, Chris? Well, I think that one was Chris Johnson. Chris when he Johnson said, progress. and Drager were saying like progress. Progress had been made. Oh, okay. I was furiously refreshing the Twitter. So trying oh, to get okay. updates. Yeah, good point. So so leading. So sorry. Let me rephrase. Leading up to Friday, I was every two or three hours. I would just kind of like pull it up just to see. I wouldn't like search Marner's name. I would just pull it up. Then you make a good point. Once that happened and 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 they were arriving. I was like, before my buddy actually showed up in the driveway, I was like you. I was kind of like, what can I listen to right now? What station can I tune into in case something happens? Ooh, Overdrive. You know, so I'm listening to Overdrive and whatever, and the guys are ripping on it. And then then they arrived, and I didn't look at my phone at all. I didn't look at my phone for like three hours. And then it happened. I didn't even fucking know it happened. I just opened up my phone. I was like, I'm going to check Twitter because it's been like three hours since I looked. When I opened it up, Marner had signed. Right. So the next day, the Saturday, when I got up, I didn't check my phone. And I was like, that's weird. Like, that's weird. I remember you and I talking about this last year with Nylander. I was getting sick and tired of checking my phone to, to, to see that there was no news on Nylander. And I was kind of getting there with Marner. Oh my God, I'm so sick of this shit. I need some news. Then we got the progress thing. Then he actually signed the deal. And then within like a few short hours, I went to sleep. I woke up the next day. I had nothing to do. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with me being all excited about watching the league, watching the Leafs this year. Because I have nothing to do other than just watch the team. Well, we can finally start talking about, after we're done this little segment on Marner, about how how we're looking forward to the season, watching them play, what are their expectations, what's going to be defined success. It's not all surrounding one player, and you know we start talking about what's going on in camp, who's competing for lineups. But first, obviously, we get this minor shit out of the way. Now, um, initial reaction to the deal, obviously, and this has been said a million times. This is no no news to anybody at this point, but an overpayment, obviously. Um, yeah, but today, today, and and I think that's why I'm a little bit at peace. I'm at peace with it for two reasons. One, we got it done. Term. I'm fucking relieved, and he's the last piece of the big big four, right? We could and we did. We got term. Term. Which means in a few years when the cap inevitably goes up, and I fully expect Marner to continue to put up anywhere between 80 and 100 points a year, and he's got to, and he, and if he doesn't, Come on, he's going to hear from us. Don't give him that gap, 90 and 100. <laughs> Fine, 90 to 100 there. I won't be that generous. Yeah. I mean... Those are the things that that make me okay with this because it's like you're paying them now, and we've talked about this about how the NHL is moving to paying guys now for what you expect them to do later, right? I mean, having having this much money, I know there's a bit of freakout going on about it amongst Leafs Nation here, but having this kind of players at this age entering their prime oh, in insane. their prime. 
locked into these high money deals at term is better than having to pay a guy who you underpaid until he was 27 and then you got to fork over that kind of dollars to keep him yeah. when he's fading out of his prime. That's right. You overpay today for the underpayment of tomorrow. Right. Okay. But the thing is, we got to remember this here. The the tomorrow Mitch Marner is not going to be today's today's uh, Nathan McKinnon. Okay. Like this, this $10.9 million deal or whatever it is, what is it again exactly? 10 point 10.5? 10.5? Is that what it is? Okay, anyway. This deal, okay, is 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 not going to be so undervalued, like under he's not going to be so underpaid that everyone's talking about it. And that's the shift in the league. You talked about it. You said the shift in the league. That is the shift in the league. No Miko. Oh my fuck, I keep calling him Miko Rantanen. No. Nathan McKinnon contract is ever going to happen again. No, and I think the players are ever. not going to allow it either because ever. they're not going to be undervalued and they're. it's going to be less, you know, oh yeah, well you got to prove it type shit. And it's like, and, and the good thing about guys like Austin Matthews, Mitch Meyer, these guys have proven it. We There is no concern, and Dubas really conveyed this in his presser. He's like, we have no concern about where this guy's at. Yeah. Like, it's not like, ooh, I guess we'll give you $10 million and see how it goes. Like, they know what the expectation is. They know what he is. These guys aren't, you know, and, and the expectations has totally changed. Okay, this is no longer, oh, he's learning. Oh, he's growing. Yeah, they are learning. Yeah, they are growing. But you guys are stars in this league. You're going to play like it. You're going to act like it. You're and when you're being like paid it. like it, yeah. this becomes much more important. And that's where the added pressure comes from, right? It's because... A down year is going to be unacceptable. Not winning a round or two or, you know, contending for the Stanley Cup is not going to be acceptable. You know, I'm not saying it's cup or bust, but there needs to be results or, you know, we're going to get the pitchforks out of inevitably and, and freak the fuck out about well, it because that's what we do. It kind of is cup or bust, but, but, but in order to say that, you need to define bust. What's bust to you? Like, like you're mad? Are you mad? I'm not mad if they don't win. But I'm expecting them now, starting this season, to win. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And you can call me a stupid, biased, whatever, but I'm sorry. That's just the way it is, okay? And when Pittsburgh got their stars together and they got the band together, what did they expect to happen, Lesko, as fans? Wins. Right. And then when Chicago, or I guess Chicago came first, when Chicago got all their shit, no, Chicago came second. When Chicago got all their shit together and got their stars paid and got the band together, what did they expect? Wins. It's just it's just how sports goes. Just because it's the Leafs doesn't change anything. It no, doesn't make, and I, and doesn't I make hope- anybody more or less stupid for anticipating victories. I'm not thinking that we're going to win. I'm hoping that we are, which Absolutely. I never and have I think done as before. as a fan, you do win. I think the expectation in that dressing room has to be winning. It has to be, especially when you have a guy you want that like culture. John Tavares, who has never won at the NHL level, but has won everywhere else, right. bringing his pedigree to this town because he believes in what Kyle Dubas is selling. And I want to just touch on Dubas one last time because we were talking about his grades and whatnot. I'm, I'm of the belief, and I have been from day one, that Kyle Dubas is a goddamn genius. And whatever he does... I'm right behind him, patting him on the back, giving him a fucking. That was the only thing that let me sleep this off season. And I remember we talked about going into the off season that 
I have absolute faith in him and this management group to get this done. And a little thing about Tavares there, I mean, I'm sure in that presentation with Tavares last year, a lot of it was, we will get these guys we done. We will get these guys done. They will be here with you. Because apparently that was a concern he expressed in the interview process. Yeah. If you sign me, can you keep these guys? And it goes back to it. We can and we will. We can and we they will. They could, they did. And they did. And you know what? And people will say, oh, no, he didn't. John Tavares left money on the goddamn table. That's it. End of story. He got paid. I get it. But he also had other offers that were mm-hmm. higher than Toronto's. That means he left money on the table to come here and win. And I know there's a lot of concern with the amount of ta- cap. I think it's 49% right now that's tied up in these guys. But again, we're not talking David Clarkson contracts. Right. We're not talking, you know, we're not talking guys where we don't know what they're going to bring or how they're going to fit in. We know what most of these guys are and we know what they project to be okay so and we want them for the whole time yeah we I, th- want I think we can rest easy that that all our money is being spent pretty wisely here um we're not talking about bad contracts that we're going to be regretting in a few years and the other funny thing about the martyr deal and the, and the obviously coming after the matthews deal as well is that Nylander contract that everyone's fucking freaking out about oh. really sounds like a bargain right now, doesn't it? It already does. Like what? What? I heard them talking about this. I think it might have been on the Steve Dangle podcast, and I wanted to ask you about it in reference. What? What do you think becomes a bargain season for William Nylander? Like how many points? I guess I should say specifically, like how many points does William Nylander have to get for you, the fan, to? say that that deal is good value. If he's putting if he's putting 75 80 points on the board. Right there, yeah. I think that's that's value. right in the wheelhouse and it doesn't seem it's definitely not out of reach for a guy who might play his whole year with Austin Matthews. I know. Right? So know. and that's where I can see it, you know, and I think we said this at the time that this deal seems sour right now or we might be sour on it, but it's going to be okay. If he plays like he projects it's going to be okay. Yeah, last year ended up being a bit of a write-off for him, and it wasn't the greatest statistically for him. But if he's going to play 82 games alongside Austin Matthews, there's no reason he can't reach those kinds of numbers. I've been fine with Nylander's deal from the day he signed it because of term relative to cap inflation, and I'm okay with the Mitch Marner signing today because of inflation relative to cap hit. I'm okay with it because we're going to have Mitch Marner being a $10.5 million player for the next six years. And I firmly believe that in three seasons, that's my prediction, in three seasons, the Mitch Marner deal will become maybe not a value deal because let's be honest, you're never really going to use the word value. Describe when you're a top player. An $11 million top paid players. Yeah, yeah but, but it'll, be, it'll be a good deal. I think it'll be a good deal. And my point, just to finish it on, on Dubis, was that, I wonder if, like, I let it off by saying that I've always thought he was a genius and I, I follow him into the pits of hell with a blindfold on if he's going there first. I will follow him. I will, I, will, I will enjoy what he does. I know that he's 
had some issues in the past. Maybe he hasn't done phenomenally well with the contract negotiations. Maybe he could have won. But but I'm I'm just a fan. I can't be the guy that says, oh, he got bent over in that contract negotiation. I don't know that. What I do know is that we have a phenomenal team and we are cap compliant. And he has done some unbelievable things to get us to where we are right now. It's not and the my kind of- further point, sorry, one one quick one here, the last one to bring it all together. I wonder if a guy like Kyle Dubas, as we sit here today uh, on the eve, basically, of the 2019-2020 season, I'm wondering if a guy like Kyle Dubas is maybe slightly ahead of the curve in terms of this is the norm now. I'm one that I think we alluded to throughout the episode is that there is this culture shift where the middle class of the NHL is, is not is getting squeezed out. It's not going to exist anymore. The the days of, of five and six million dollar contracts to guys on July first and overpaying them is starting to go go by the wayside because I think what is really gonna happen and I'm sure Tal Dubis and the lease management team is projecting and can foresee this kind of thing. Whereas the majority of your money is gonna be locked up in your superstars because they provide the most wins, the most value um, in terms of production. And the rest of your team is going to be filling in the blanks. And selling year, shit. Year after year, your rest of your team is going to be looking for the best, the Tyler Ennis's of the world. Yeah, the, the Jason Spetzes. Exactly. Yeah. The guys yeah. who you can bring in for now easier for some teams than others, and especially teams that are in, in considered contenders. But you're going to be bringing in guys on a million dollars on 750 contracts, constant turnover, constant development through the system, and you're going to have to hit on the draft. Those are the main things. It's it it, it really shows you that how big it, the big name free agents aren't going to be. What's going to be important on July one anymore? It's going to be how many good contracts can we get for like a million bucks? Yeah, exactly. Or a mil, you know how many? Where's how many, our value deals? It plugs. Uh, it's going to take on a new definition, and it's going to be guys who can come in and chip in, say fifteen goals. And yeah, you might lose them next year because they're going to get paid more. Yeah, but you're going to have to keep doing that it's going to be about filling in the blanks and keeping a strong enough supporting cast to to make a difference for that team and to surround your superstars with uh complementary players basically moral of the story here you know that when kyle dubas and brandon pridham go through the drive-thru at mcdonald's they are exclusively ordering from the value menu exclusively that's that's pretty much what i do yeah i'm not i'm not spending eight dollars on a burger when i can get four burgers for the same price i don't think i've spent more than five dollars at a mcdonald's in my life <laughs> one time when we were in school um what did we do we went over to mcdonald's with like 30 bucks and we just said to the guy like give us as much food as you can give me all the snatch ring ring in as much food as you possibly can on your till until you get to 30 dollars or less <laughs> obviously and then we'll give you the money we ended up with like six bags of food Jesus, like it's insane the amount of food you can get there for 30 dollars. it's amazing found that out the, the hard way and then so did my toilet the next day so i guess <laughs> shit <laughs> i didn't see that one coming <laughs> Just dummy in your fucking yeah. toilet, man. Porcelain thunder. I used to go there like the most was like after the bar, like make the cab driver take oh, you yeah. there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pit stop, bud. Oh, just, now you got to order it on Uber. You got to you got to order a pit stop on Uber. It sucks. We don't have that here. I guess, but like you can get Uber just to deliver food in the city. Yeah. Yeah. True. Good point. Yeah. Good point. But I'm saying if you're in the Uber and you're like, oh, I want to go to McDonald's, the Uber driver can be like, nah. 
<laughs> I guess not. Yeah, you it's have like to put. It's, it's pre-planned. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah, sucks. We'll buy you a milkshake, bud. Just come on. Yeah, really. That's what he's telling. Ah, buy a buy, buy a whatever you want. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like that. Drive me around. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Uh, I guess a couple other things. I want to get in a little bit of camp stuff. Um, really interesting, and we didn't really have this last year, but there weren't a lot of open spots on the Leafs opening day roster. No. But right now, we have basically four wing spots up for grab on the Leafs on both the third and fourth line. Now, there was that laundry list of dudes that I'm not even going to try and name right now um, that the Leafs kind of loaded up on on the off season to basically say, hey, you guys come in here and compete for spots. But it seems like it's pretty up in the air. Um, according to James Myrtle of The Athletic, it seems that he believes a few guys have an in- inside track. Okay. Um, I did watch the first period of the Leafs and Sens before I came over here. We lost, by the Most way. Most notably. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, it's Ottawa. Of course we lost. Yeah, really, eh? Um, most noticeably, though, in that game, uh, the Leafs' first power play of the game featured Igor Korshkov, yeah. who I really saw, and I heard he was a bit of a dark horse coming into camp, but I had I, kind of written him off almost as a prospect because the guy had played so little due to injury over the last few years in the KHL, and even when he has played, like a lot of young players, not a lot of ice time and therefore not a lot of offense as a result. Right, yeah, But I think he's getting a, a decent look right now because, and I hate to say this, and it really seems anti-Dubas, but... I think they are looking at some bigger dudes. I think they realize that, you know, it's not it's not a speed and skills thing, but I think it's a lack of size thing. It's not like oh we're picking a guy for because of his size necessarily, but they're trying to they might giving a, an extra look at guys who can bring size and potentially keep them around or see like hey, has this guy got some development in him? Maybe not necessarily for today, but for down the road. Well, as they should. I mean, the the team is locked. We already talked about it at length. Uh, what is it? The top nine? The top nine players on the Leafs are, really. are, are, are... No, no, but I'm saying like uh, as far as contracts are concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got like nine of our... We, our top nine players basically up front Yeah, there's going to be some wa- There's going to be some guys on going on waivers here because of the amount of forwards they yes. did sign. Yeah, but I mean, why not give a look to someone who's 23 years old, 6'4", right? The only issue I have with them, and this could be a little a little light maybe on the EliteProspects.com webpage, but listed at 181 pounds, you'd like to see him maybe fill out a little bit more. Like, fuck, I'm 180 and I'm 5'9". <laughs> and I'm not out of shape by any means, you know? Fuck so, you weigh 180. Well, come on, look at me, bud. Fucking thrown together. Like, Tough what? thrown together. No, come on, not everybody's a fucking... You're patched together. Not everybody's a fucking bag of milk over there, Jesus, bud. Relax. You call me a bag of milk? I'm fucking a buck 55. <laughs> Well, fuck whatever, all right? Listen, I'm a goddamn champion, okay? I'm not going to take that all tone. All right, all I'm going to take that tone from you over here. But yeah, I, maybe maybe you like to see him fill out a little more. 6'4". Um, I mean, 6'4", it's tall. Yeah, you got to figure he's going down to the Marlies, but I, I think they just want to see what the guy has for skills because they might not have had a very good look at him since he's drafted because he has played so little. True. Um, I got to think Mikhaev's got an inside scoop on a, a lineup spot. Like, I'm pretty much ready to pencil him in, I think, on the third line. Well, he's one of Babs' um, new toys. Yeah, yeah, and it seems that, that uh, and he's, again, bigger guy, like not really a huge physical element to his game, but um, it seems that Nick Batan is going to have an opportunity to make this lineup. Um, I really think Trevor Moore has got to have a lineup spot. I think he showed that he's NHL ready last year. So I'm not too concerned about where he's ending up. 
But then it's you know it's right up in the air. Are they going to keep going for the wing? Or is he going to be an extra forward? Um, you know, Pontus Auberg is an intriguing guy who has that's my guy who can score goals, but has a reputation of being a bit of a, a I don't know what the word, right word is here, but a slacker. I guess they were saying oh yeah, not a, the right attitude. He bounced around the league over the last few years, and apparently that's that's the word out on him. Is okay. it's an attitude issue, um, and then you have some other. Uh, I guess dark horse young guys like say uh, Marchman or Bracco or you know Bracco, or they get an Brooks. opportunity to play. The fact that Zach Hyman's in, uh, injured obviously opens up that extra spot for someone to get that look. Um, You're so right I'm, though. I'm There's really, a long laundry list of guys, eh? Yeah, like Shore is in there as well. Yeah, you got Shore in there did you as talk well. About Nick That's Patan? right. Yeah, Nick Patan. I mentioned yeah, him. Right, so you did, eh? yeah. I, I, I'm going to pencil him and Kyivan more, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions on anyone else. But I am interested to see with this kind of plethora of guys who seem capable of being plugged in as who kind of rises, who steps up. Cause you know, a lot of, for a lot of guys training camp is, is, you know, fun or hangout time or, you know, they're already in shape. The regulars. They already know where they're playing, but for a lot of guys training camp, is their chance? You know, they might not be in another training camp. Yeah, for all they know, right? Well, I said that to I, I said that to uh, Kirsty earlier today. We were making dinner, and uh, I was telling her that the the game was on tonight, and I was excited to watch uh, however much I could until you showed up to podcast. I'm glad you showed up and took me away from the TV because we lost. And I don't know if you saw the fucking lineup we had, but we should have won eleven nothing. Oh yeah. Side note: <laughs> This is the best split squad. Uh, lineups I've seen the Leafs probably oh my have God. ever. I was literally excited to watch. Now, I know it's the first one, and that's the main reason for but excitement. But it's a lot of NHL Oh, players, my God. Right? Everyone was playing. I went to a game a Matthews few years Matthews and Nylander are kind of the only two, and Riley, that weren't playing today. I think it was the tank year. I went to a game in Ottawa, and I swear to God, the only NHLers playing were like P.A. Parento and Morgan Riley, <laughs> and it was a fucking joke. But it was so awful. But seriously, uh, I don't even I don't even remember where I was going with that point. But my point was, um, you know, the team uh, the team should have should have been better uh, than 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 losing to Ottawa tonight. Um, if you're out there in St. John's, like it's got to be mostly Leaf fans out there, right? Like has to Leafs be. and Habs, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. But I mean, like tonight going to the game. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all the Leaf be, fans. Yeah. Uh, how fucking pissed off are you that? You're probably pretty disappointed, and I heard a story Tavares, today that those Tavares. ticket prices were were pretty high, like on the resale market. Oh yeah, I mean, well, high from the Leafs playing in fucking Newfoundland. Like, has it happened oh, before? I'm glad you uh, talked about ticket prices because I totally lost my train of thought when I was saying I mentioned to Kirsty that I was excited to watch the game. I said the main reason why I'm excited to to watch the game, other than the fact that it's the first one. And that it's on TSN, which means it's going to be a good good production on TSN. I said the main reason is that we have spots open for camp, and like we're going to see some guys really bring it. Yeah, there's some competition, and it was kind of cool to see Spets wearing a wearing a leaf jersey. It's weird. It was weird still, eh? It's weird. Yeah. Um, was it Masters? I think it was Masters. Interviewed him in the in the intermission. You might have been on your way over here. You might have missed it. But they interviewed Spetsa, and it was just like. The only questions he asked him were about playing for the Leafs. And he was, I don't know if he was just tired or whatever. They're always huffing and puffing in their interviews because they get them as soon as they come yeah, off the ice. Off you the know? ice yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was just kind of like, yeah, it's great. You know, it's great playing for my hometown team. Fucking it's great. Stop He's probably been asked fucking 20 times yeah, by now true. just in the last week or so. But, but it is strange. I mean, yeah. like he was front and center dude for the Sens 
Right. Oh, he ripped us apart for years. Ripped us apart. That Alfie Heatley <laughs> Spezza line, when it was the best line in hockey, just absolutely bent the Leafs Dummy. over game in, Every game fucking out. time. Like, was, oh. there was a span of a few years where I I don't think there was a game where there was, like, less than a six-goal differential between Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah, just, like... Just getting torched by those guys. <laughs> anyway, nice to see him in the blue and white. And it's I true, think, but uh, I, I mentioned sorry, I mentioned to Kiersey too. Like, you know what? If there's a better example of how you can play for a team that absolutely hates your childhood favorite team, and you can still sign with that team after, like, you know, it it, it it's a good testament to how important it can be to be a Toronto kid. And play for the Leafs. I really liked his quote too when they asked him about it, you know, on the other side of the Battle of Ontario. And he said, Well, I had a good five year buffer in, in Dallas. In Dallas. Just, I think it made it, it makes yeah. it okay. But yeah, uh, true. I'm interested to see what he can bring. I know he's not what, what he once was, but I think uh, I think Bowles will be pretty pretty impressed with a right handed centerman and a guy with some skill might be able to chip in on the power play huh. as well. T one in the faceoff percentage last year. Now, perhaps one of the more interesting battles we have in the Leafs training camp right now is amongst the blue liners, where we've got and interesting. I want to point to another Myrtle Myrtle <laughs> article. Oh, in the a Myrtle! You yeah. should tweet that Actually, at him. You might like that. You might like um, that. <laughs> yeah, in the Myrtle I read, uh, he said that it was kind of a wide open battle right now. And look, it was probably Siegel or someone who wrote it, and I just fucked that up. But um, yeah, we've got. It seems that they're really letting it play out and seeing who who sees the day, takes the spots here. I mean. A lot of people are penciling Harper because he's got PK experience, and the Leafs have a bit of a bit of a hole to fill there. In that you lost your two biggest PK yep. eaters last year in Zaitsev and Hazy to Ottawa, um, but uh, so a lot of people say Harper made because of his size and his PK abilities has the inside track there. It sounds like Sandin's giving going to be given every opportunity to to at least get a look and potentially some games in October. Nice. Um, it seems that he has the skill set. It's just whether or not they determine he's ready. I hear I good think, things, and I think given the Dermot injury, it really opens up a window to at least give him that sample in the NHL and yeah. see if he can take it and run with it and see how that goes. Well, the other good thing too is that because of the influx of players uh, and their contracts, we would be able to offer some games to Sandine and say, okay, listen, we're going to get you in, but we're not going to get your nine in because we've got Dermot coming back. So mm. we can give you a three here. Then we'll, then, then we'll let you off and we'll bring, you know, Harper or Smaltz in or someone else. And then, um, you know, give you a couple more games. You see what I'm getting at? Like they can probably stretch his nine games into November and they might be able know. to, but they also don't want the guy not playing hockey. So I think he's either yeah, playing the NHL or he's got, he's going back down. Yeah. True. And because it's, it's development. Right. And, but it's, it sounds like he's given every opportunity. And I like to hear that because, you know, I think if it was like a hundred percent up to Babs that he'd be like, I'll take Harper and Brinson and call it a day. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And you know, we might end up with another press box hero on the defensive end again this year. Cause you have to imagine they're going to want to keep one of those guys around. Um, you know, I, hopefully, you know, it's not Justin Hall again, because I feel like a guy who's been scratched 71 times. If he can't make the team probably would like an opportunity to, to play. play. Yeah. Um, so 
The smallest is intriguing too, though, because what was he, 23, 24, former first round pick, if I'm not yeah, mistaken? I think so, yeah. Like, he seems like a guy that they might see a little untapped potential in. He looked not really sure good. What he, he is. He looked really good from what I saw. Right. Um, and, and I know it's only the first period of preseason, but his his touches, uh, his touches looked good last Well, that's like, what you want. That's what I thought. And, and if you're going to be. You know, you can see how Dubas is molding this defense core. They want puck movement. They yeah. want quick breakouts. So if you're able to move the puck up to the big boys quickly, that's going to bode well for your chances of making the team. But I really like how they give themselves a lot of options this year and to see these lineup battles. It does make for a lot more intriguing training camp, and it also kind of makes guys work harder. It makes them step up. Um, you have what, you know, four, five, six guys battling out for two spots, three spots. What's going to create a lot of Yeah, it creates a lot of competition. Yeah. Like as yeah. much as I hate to see Dermot out for whatever it is they project 14 games, I do like to see the competition for positions. Now where there was going to be some competition but may not be any is uh, in the back of goaltender. Now obviously no more shirts, right? <laughs> Thank God. Right. So, but Michael Neuverth is hurt already. And this was a really weird thing. They they said, so I don't know if you heard Babcock's comments on it. He said something like, He's got a body, body injury. injury. What's a body injury? And then uh, when they had Bowen on overdrive after, he said, yeah, he's got a body injury. I'm like, is he just regurgitating what Bab said? Or is this like a thing? Is there something, not a lower body injury, not a upper, but a body injury? Did you hear what Hayes? Or are we was, just getting more general about it? Did you hear what Hayes was saying? Hayes was like, I could still be in the NHL if I, or no, he, sorry, he never was in the NHL. He was like, I could be in the NHL if I was able to say I had a body, a injury. body injury. Couldn't show up to practice the next day. Yeah. And we know how Babs feels about guys who were injured and all that kind of shit. So how many, how many body well. injuries did O-Dog have in his career? I don't know. Probably, probably more than, the average player i think so did you hear him talking about the strippers <laughs> yeah <laughs> ah that's fucking hilarious he's like when you're 21 what did he say it's like it's it's wake up breakfast rippers <laughs> nap whatever <laughs> that was his day and i felt like i felt like he was gonna say breakfast rippers nap but then he didn't want to he just kind of stopped talking and it was like man oh man you're really letting it go right now aren't you he's great oh yeah very entertaining man one of my favorite programs yeah for for sure sure. yeah 100 percent. but yeah it's it's unfortunate because i you know i looked at neuver's numbers and everything and i I think a lot of people were high on him thinking that he would have a good shot at getting that backup position so hopefully uh whatever's ailing him this body injury a mysterious body injury doesn't last because i you got to think that the decision is going to be made in camp and if he doesn't get him give himself an opportunity by showing up and getting on the ice then he's not going to get it like well you talked about babcock because of the roster constraints and the cap constraints yeah. you can't afford to be like okay we'll wait and see how you do in Praki and you know in the we'll give you a regular season game no they're yeah. they're gonna cut him and they're gonna go to waivers or they're gonna go with hutchinson right which is fine i i don't people seem to think that hutchinson is a bad option it's weird because some wrong? people pencil him as like a third string and it's like what does that mean there is no third string it just basically means that you're good enough to call up whenever sure, whenever, whenever you're, you're needed, needed yeah. but 
it, it goal, the goaltending thing's weird because, like, you look at last year and we thought we were going to end up with one of Pickard or McElhaney. We end up with zero. Right. Right? So I think what there's a... Shelled up with Sparks. There, there's likely an opportunity where, where something does come up on waivers, but that's also a decision that's going to be made very quickly. Um, but you got to think if they're not necessarily happy with where they're at. And I, I have to think that they have an idea of... Like, I feel like they know or are confident in what they think Michael Hutchison is. So if this Neuver thing doesn't look, work out, clearly the, you got to think they're looking elsewhere, right? Because isn't that why they brought him there in the first place? Because they weren't necessarily high on Neuver playing, or uh, Hutchison, Hutchison playing yeah. 20, 25 games for them? Yeah, I guess. And it has to be related to the load management thing that that is uh, a key now, a key cog in Toronto sports after Kawhi Leonard kind of... Uh, Made it super famous, proofs I guess. In the, but proofs in Larry O'B. Yeah, the proofs in the pudding, and the pudding is smeared all over the Larry O'Brien trophy. <laughs> it's true. But, you know, you talked about injuries. Neuverth, he does have injury history. Um, you know, Neuverth's injury problems combined with Brian Elliott's uh, injury problems were the main reason why uh, Carter Hart got That's in there, right? right? That's right. For Philly. So, like, Neuverth, uh, he is uh, injury prone. So this could just be a, a glimpse into the into the crystal ball. I mean, it might just be a blessing in disguise to kind of say, listen, man, unfortunately that's just the way it is. That's how the cookie crumbles. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sign your deal here. So, yeah. And we can only hope that he gets an opportunity to get in some preseason games. He gets an opportunity to, sh- to show as to whether he deserves a contract, because that's the thing about PTO is he can be sent home pretty much at any time. Right. But, uh, yeah, I guess we're rocking over two hours now. Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. I did want to mention very briefly my favorite photo of the summer that came up. Um, I'm not sure who posted it or tossed it on Twitter, but God bless your soul. Was um, Leafs legend, it was, it was, noted Leafs legend, former captain Matt Sundin, looking very dapper, too. He was wearing a bow tie, right. I think, and Hacking shit. Hacking a dart. Hacking a dart with... Noted sports commentator and former adult film actress Mia Khalifa. It was Mia Khalifa who shared the photo. Oh, she shared it. Okay. And then someone re- it some- probably yeah, I guess I retweeted got around the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've never heard of her or seen any of her work. Oh, of but- course not. No, of course not. I've never seen any adult films in my life. I love when like porn stars are in the news and like, you know, there's always the like tweet that goes around. It's like your wife. Who's that? I have no idea, honey. Yeah. I've never heard of this yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have it? Oh, no, you don't even have your thing. Yeah. No, I, I was going to pull it up, but like, and uh, fuck, that made me laugh. I was like, because you don't see a lot of Sundin, right? Like, no, he's been really low key. Like, he must be living the life. He doesn't do a lot of alumni shit for the Leafs. Like, he doesn't do a lot of, of any. I know, I know he's got young kids. I, I think he was on, I think they had him on Overdrive last year when he was in town for some event that they were doing, but. He was talking about, you know, his kids and all that kind of shit. And I imagine, you know, he lives in Sweden too, so it's not easy for him to just right. show up to the to the rink and be there for certain events. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I'm curious as to whether or not he knew who she was. And Madison needs smoking a dart. I know. I know. I'm not even taking... Okay, so there's multiple things here. It's a porn star, number one. Not current. Okay, fine, whatever. Everyone, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, former porn star, number one. Number two, oh my God, look at those. Like, in, like, I, 
you got to pull it up. You got to pull it up so we can talk about it. I mean, oh, I'm looking at it right now. Fucking tits. And I've seen them before. Tits are ridiculous. I mean, I haven't seen them before, but they're ridiculous. Okay, and then and then and then the third one that maybe is the most important is the fact that he's hacking a dirt. I know. He's got and a like, heater going. Now I want to ask someone like, was he, was he smoking back when he was playing? Which wasn't super uncommon, right? Back in the late nineties, early two thousands, like a fucking eight aging ourselves here, but. Um, I, I just thought I thought that is almost the more interesting part instead of who's in the picture. Do you think? Okay, let's pretend that he does know who she is. Do you think? Like, well, I guess he's a married guy. Eh? He's a married man with kids, isn't he? Did you say? Well, that doesn't mean anything. Right? Oh, <laughs> fuck. All right, we're getting right into we're the gutter getting, here. We gotta shut this fucking show right down. Off the rails oh, here. Man. What my question to you was going to be, like, do you think there's any interest level in Matt's to be like, yo, hey, Mia, why don't you come over here and, you know? Come here a minute. (laughs) Come here a minute. I want to talk to you. Well, there are a couple of hard bodies. (laughs) What they do in the privacy of their own fucking homes is none of our business. What did she say? So uh, her quote is, uh, legend, the nicest beast I've ever met. And he congratulated me on the Capitals Cup win. Is this even real life? No, because Toledo and this whole weekend have been a dream and nothing will ever live up. Okay, so he definitely knew of her because of her work in, like, sports commentary somewhat. Oh, right. Uh, Based on that quote. (laughs) That makes total sense. All right, yeah, we're off the rails here on episode 38. It is season two, but we're not going to clarify our seasons here. We're just going to be rolling with the eps. So thanks for joining us uh, once again, and we look forward to bringing you this weekly uh, update here on the NHL News and Notes. And, of course, all things Leafs. Uh, Starting next week, we're going to have our Western Conference preview and a little bit of other shit. Obviously, hopefully we'll have some stories on the RFAs coming into next week. And then the week after that, we're going to have our season preview, Eastern Conference final, or Eastern Conference uh, preview, sorry, and Toronto Maple Leafs comprehensive preview. So don't miss it. Follow us on Twitter at PuckPod. You can find myself at Coleman42 and at Lesko Adam. Till next time, take care, comb your hair, go Leafs go.